Pleasure to get acquainted with you, Mr. Ron James. What's up, all the people in the chat? I see you, Exoskeleton. Um, so yeah, welcome to the show. This is Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Yo. Stefan Roy, and uh, basically what we do here is we walk through the lives of interesting people such as yourself, and then via the journey of your life, extract knowledge nuggets and learn some shit. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what we do in a nutshell. So as we've evolved our stuff a little bit, um, it would be great if you could just kind of introduce yourself right quick and kind of just tell the people where you were born. It doesn't matter where okay. you journey to, but where you were born right. and started the journey. Okay, um, I'm from Northeast Baltimore City. Um, I am, uh, what else, what else? I'm, I'm from there, I, uh, what do I do? I'm a creative, um, I, I, I'm well, a- we're gonna, we're gonna cover all the creative types. Okay, yeah, so I do a bunch of stuff. So um, I'll just say that I'm a creative. I mean, like, that's, that's not even like a loose term. I'm. I'm not particularly good at anything, but I do a bunch of stuff. I'm sorry, but your pen game has wit. Oh, man. Thank you, man. Pen. I heard you drop some, like, dimes between class bar, and I'm like, that shit could have been weed or girls. That's a double. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's a, I'm, into, I'm into entendres. And, oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, I'm a creative in Baltimore. I champion Baltimore. I, I don't live in Baltimore City proper anymore, mm. but um, I just we just moved uh, a couple months ago. But I'm I spent a large chunk of my time in Baltimore City. Um, so, awesome. and I try to do all creative things there. Um, yeah, I gonna say the guy's music's podcast. He did comedy according to his Instagram. He does like a bunch of shit. Like he's not even lying. I had to put multimedia artists because like artists didn't feel like it was enough to cover all the non-typical arty shit. You have to say multimedia to include podcasts and crap. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Anyway, very talented individual, but also real smart. I was bumping Thanks, your man. shit today because I'm like, fuck, he does interviews. I should bump one. Oh, shit, he's real smart and entertaining to listen to with the homeboy. And then I like your little intro before the guest comes on and shit. And it's like, you got a whole vibe to it. I'm like, dude, is mad talented. And we're going to hear about the whole parts of all the different things you do based on how this works. So we're going to start with a little intro question. Really, the most important part is where you're from because of this question and how it all goes. Um, mm -hmm. Also, you have such a crisp radio voice. But um, Thanks, man. So, so it's a bit of a story, this question, and when it lands, you can kind of like, you know, answer it however you so feel to answer it. Um, yep. And it starts with my girlfriend, and she's like washing the dishes, and she's got her phone, and she's playing that Black Eyed Peas track, the, I got a feeling, ooh. All right. And she's okay. dancing, and she's vibing and stuff, and this is late 2020. So as okay. I'm sitting here watching her do this, I'm considering and pondering on this very song and how this is chores music. Or exercise music or like this, mm. this this vibe of life but that song yo i could remember how 10 years ago we were all really drunk in like bars and clubs dancing around to that same very song and i just thought it was such a huge juxtaposition how it could go from being kind of like this thing that you would go out and it would be like the highlight of the night when everyone's having the best time and now mm. it's the highlight of washing dishes when you're trying to scrub some stuff off the pan and it's okay. like 
that's serious right so as i've asked this question my theories have evolved a bit but basically it's like as people these songs that we have that are attached to us in this clubbing era of life end up becoming the exercise and chores music of life later on so that means that music as it grows with us kind of evolves in its purpose and along the journey that it goes on with us so it's almost like songs have their own little journeys that they go on yeah. Which is also fun to think about. That a whole bunch of people are doing dishes to Cardi B, and a whole bunch of people clubbing today going to be doing dishes and having no idea that this is where their music life is taking them. But okay. when we think about like musical journeys and stuff, and we talk about it in like our lives, we often go to the adolescent phase and like the that part because it's where we form our identities and we start picking these favorite songs and all this kind of stuff now it's not like a hard rule but typically that's where the story kind of starts because it's more defined but really when it comes to music and our musical journeys it starts at like the earliest you can even remember because like you're always going to hear sounds in your life so like i can remember like being like three four years old maybe a little older and my dad had these gray boxes in the apartment and the amp and the radio deck and the fucking tape deck and everything kind of attached to each other and bringing out to the speakers that he would set up all over and he would be blasting his led zeppelin tapes and shit like that or at night it would be the 90s techno musics that was on the radio and the clubs and whatnot my mom had like discos and musicals and different things that she was really fucking with but really like because of the technology and the times and eras it was like these were kind of like the sounds that that like made up my childhood experiences like every christmas we had this uh techno christmas music remix album we only ever heard it at christmas time and it was every fucking christmas time so like i was hoping you could bring us back to like when you were the youngest ron james you could remember and walk us a little bit what it was like to like the sounds and stuff before you had control over it in your environment um so unfortunately i can't remember when i didn't have control over it but i remember I remember the first time that I could I could recognize music as a thing that I wanted to listen to over and over again. This is a so my mom uh used to teach at the aquarium in Baltimore. My mom my mom and my dad are educators. Um and uh one day we were uh, in the aquarium because I used to just be in the back like I was behind the scenes. I used to go to the dolphin shows when people couldn't go to the dolphin shows. It was it was a nice life. And um, I was <laughs> sitting, I was sitting down, and there was a song called "Baby Beluga" um, that I remember from a kid from when I was a kid. "Baby Beluga in a Deep Blue Sea" uh, was the beginning thing. I I remember how vivid that was to me. I was like, "Baby Beluga in a Deep Blue Sea," like I. I could recognize it was the first song that I listened to that was vivid for me. And it was just about a, a beluga in the water swimming. All the things that I took in at a really young age dealt with water because my mom studied marine biology uh, when we when she was younger. So we were in like this in the hood, but I was like obsessed with like runoff and like you know bodies of water and you know it's it's oceans and 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 sea creatures so 
Baby Beluga is probably the first song that I heard that like fucked me up. I know it's like a weird no, thing. you actually answered it like really great. It's not really yeah. about your favorite song. It's more about how you studied water and shit. We're just trying to get you to talk about some cool childhood shits. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. fucking ridiculously dope that you were able to get that water on and you would be like out there as a young one running around yeah. Baltimore studying water as a young scientist. It was interesting because like it taught me a very valuable lesson about like poverty and and shit like we were still in the hood so like my my, my childhood was super weird because like my dad went to princeton and and dropped out and we were like in the hood getting princeton reviews and i was like i, I was always taught based on tv shows that people that went to these places were rich mm. and i'm like but i hear gunshots outside i'm, I'm like in this place and it really gave me this idea that like things didn't guarantee you uh, prosperity. Like people, it was like who you were as a person and your drive and sometimes luck, a lot of luck, but it, it, it fucked up the way that I thought about like Ivy League schools and education and where it put you and ranking in the world. And cause I had, you know, you always hear like, oh, you're at an Ivy League school, you should be rich. You should be swimming in water. And we well, were facts, like- though. We were in Northeast Baltimore listening to gunshots and stepping on syringes in the, you know, in the gutter, but it, it was an incredible life. I really enjoyed my childhood. That was like really very special. Um, a lot of the music that I heard was outside. Like I, I experienced music outside on the block. So like I'd be outside the first song. In, so Baby Beluga was the first, right? The second one that hit me like a ton of bricks was electric relaxation okay. by a tribe called Quest. I was outside playing. I remember this vividly. I was playing basketball and I and, and like we lived in this anybody that knows Baltimore, there's like these like super narrow blocks, right? Where it's like one one way in, one way out. And mine led to like a field beside my house where all this crazy shit happened. But Tribe Called Quest played that sample. Somebody was playing it with the the top down blaring it and i was like what what is this what is this song what is it doing sonically didn't sound like anything i'd ever heard before and he was talking about sexual stuff and i i, I didn't know how it impacted me because i fucking love a tribe called quest and midnight marauders and that that baby beluga started it and then the tribe called quest like cracked my head open if it, that's a weird way to say it but it like incited all these how Thoughts about sound happened? and music. I'm say that again. I'm so How sorry. Were you when you heard that Tribe Called Quest song? It was right when it came out. So let me. I'm I'm washed up, man. So don't don't let me see, let me see. Because I got to do. This. Yeah. When did that come out? I'll tell you in a second. So that was '93. I was 10 years old. All right. So basically of the baby beluga then then let's say at 10 years old it cracks your head open and before we get to the cracking your head open we do have to ask sure. a couple more questions yeah 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 absolutely are you at all interested in the dancing world as a little one and the theatrics and all of that stuff um i mean i was really very obsessed with like songs that were in like cartoons and stuff like disney movies and stuff like that um but no, I mean, like, was I did like the idea of things breaking out. I mean, I really did like Greece. I, so Greece, 
and um Jesus, the one about uh so Greece, Little Shopahar. I fucking love Little Shopahar. Um and let me think. Yeah, I love the fact that you're willing to just bust out the fucking Google on the next monitor and bring in it. That's some fucking yeah. A game shit. I love Let me it. think, man. Like, oh, hairspray. Hairspray okay. because it took place in Baltimore. So I, I had a real, I have an obsession with like Baltimore based things. And hairspray was crazy because I watched it on TV, but it was about where I lived at. But in a different time, it was, it's racist now, but it was, it was real racist then. Like, especially racist it's like a i love that kind of <laughs> like excellent right get out of here black that kind of get your ass out of, like that kind of racism i i'm glad i don't live there i mean like living that time but like and clearly there's like unrest that happens with police brutality and the way cops treat people in the, in the states but that kind of racism magnifique like it's this you can't I would never go back there. And the fact that, like, my mom was kind of alive during that time. Jesus Christ, man. Anyway, sorry. I love your answers, man. This is great. You're fucking crushing this. Um, ah, I wasn't expecting the musical thing, but I'm glad you brought it up. Grease was a big part of my childhood. My mom's obsessed with the movie. Um, Our Grease is dope. Yo, picture this. Um, what's the name? Uh, you're the one that I love. You're the one that I love. Imagine that in, like, a slow dreary kind of rock version of that who's some somebody needs to do that i've been thinking about that like you know how they've been doing like hard trailers where they do like yeah you imagine a horror film with that feel that i see it because they've been doing that a lot lately sorry I'm, no, but I'm you or you take that like lo-fi effect and really go in that super depressing angle with it and really add that melancholy vibe i see it that's an interesting yeah. move for that see man holding you need to make that track, man. I don't know if I'm going to make that track. I'm going to have to live with my mom after it. But, like, it's like, don't fuck with my favorite songs. <laughs> Yo, my mom, we got her a version with the script. Like, she has a script. Oh. Like, she's that deep in there. Yo, she saw wow. it in theaters 113 times. I mean, it really is up there, man. It, it has that. That's a lot of times. Yo, I swear, but it was like the 70s or whatever it came out. So, like, what were you going to do? But she would sit there all day yeah. on the Saturday and the Sunday, the and whole theater it. run, just sit there with the one ticket, and she'd go out and get, get popcorn every time it was beauty school dropout. Is this in Canada? Is this? Yeah, it's in Montreal. Montreal. Man. Damn. That's, a, that's incredible, man. Huh. It's worth it. Like, I'd watch it at least four or five times in a the theater. That's, I don't know if I could commit the money to under 13 times but i could definitely it's if i was sneaking in i think i appreciate it a lot more as an adult than i did when i was younger because that mm. i wasn't so into musicals in my life but i appreciate greece because it's got a lot of social commentaries and shit right, right. um no but that's still wonderful um i mean that like you I like the context and the ambiance you're creating for your world, almost like you're a superhero character and we're getting the backstory <laughs> to it all. But I mean, yo, oh, even man. on Wikipedia, they put the fucking childhood anecdotes because people give a shit. It's the most yeah. important stuffs for real. And yeah. um, I don't know, were you a drawer back when you were little? Because you said you're a creative artisty type of all kinds and varieties. So. <laughs> 
Um, I couldn't draw for shit. And <laughs> um, but you know, it's crazy. When I was a kid, um, I read a lot of comic books. Actually, it's, comic books are actually the way that I I um, developed reading comprehension. I think oh, I, I can honestly I can honestly say for like up until maybe 11 years old, I couldn't comprehend things that I was reading. Like I, I could, I could see that this says like, who sings good morning Baltimore in Hairspray the musical, but my brain couldn't process what the, what that text meant. Um, comic books were the first time that I developed some, some reading comprehension. And um, because my mom found out that like, I loved comic books so much, she could actually draw her ass off. She would draw, I would ask her to draw me Wolverine with no mask on when he had like the the ch mutton chops and it would kind of go up like that. I get her to draw me shit like that because I just thought it was so fucking cool that my mom could draw. And I was like, if you could draw, this, that, this is my gauge. If you could draw, then draw me Wolverine. And she's like, yeah, sure. This is like, and I was, I was fascinated, man. So no, I couldn't draw, but I had an admiration for drawing through my mom. I love the fact that you're able to give your mom flowers like that. That's so fucking cool that your mom was like, what luck Bro. though, right? When your kids get into that age where you're about to like not be cool to like find this kryptonite of shit that keeps you cool. Like yeah. your mom Yo. would have been all over that shit. Like, fuck that. You're going to love me for life. <laughs> My mom used to do, so two things she used to do that used to drive me crazy, but I loved it. So there was this, there was this book I loved called the tiny scrawny lion. I, I fucking love this book. Right. My mom would travel a lot for um, for like marine biology and shit like that. So she would she recorded Tiny Scrawny Lion on a cassette so that I could listen to it. And, and, it, and she would tell me to turn the page when it was time to turn the page. So like at a very young age, I was around a person that was like doing shit that was like insane to me. Like as a kid, I was just fucking like I couldn't wow, handle man. That's like the illest fucking like parenting hack I could ever think of for a Yo. parent that might not be there. Wow. Yeah. Big she knowledge used to nugget. Fuck, yeah, she used to do that. And and like she did it for a couple of my books. And it made me realize like, oh, this isn't and I would like say stuff like to my to my friends about the stuff my mom do, and they'd be like, My mom doesn't do that shit. And I realized like, oh, okay, my mom is a little different about the way she goes about her parenting. It's like she allowed me to talk like insanely and in dream and you know it's 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 something valuable to that man i agree yeah i think that is one of those really like yo i mean i'm trying you know maybe it happens maybe there's a little me running around in the future i'm trying to like write down all the good hacks that like because right, people right, right. act like there's no rules to parenting i'm like bro just go talk to parents there's all the <laughs> <Gross>. rules <laughs> all the yeah. rules are there they explain yeah. everything to you yeah yeah I think people that say things like that uh, are in danger of becoming terrible parents. There are some parameters. Like everything, everything isn't loosey goosey. I think that like there's like a there's this like fake. I'm I'm a, I'm laid back. Uh, that, uh, that's that's not a real thing. The more I, the more I adult in this life, the more I realize like people aren't as laid back as they they claim they are. Nah. If somebody tells you they're laid back, they're not laid back. If somebody tells you they're alpha male, they're not an alpha male. It's like these these hacks. If somebody proclaims a thing, they're probably not that thing. So, unless they come with a stat sheet. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, saying. That's different. That is that's different. different. 
Um, yeah, it's different. All right, so if we go back to you being 10, your mind gets blown off because of a Tribe Called Quest. What exactly entails with your mind getting blown open? What changes at that point for you? Um, So one of the things that really did kind of resonate in my city was Baltimore club music. So Baltimore club music was like a huge thing. Uh, Pharrell has, has, has mentioned it in the past. Um, it's, it's a genre of music that's kind of similar to Philly club, but it has its own, like, you know, very Baltimore specific sort of chants over, over like simple drum loops, uh, that, that kind of become really complex. Um, in this like mix of, you know, that's, that's like, you might listen to a club mix and it's like five, five or six songs within that, that kind of transition from one to the other. It's really pretty dope, man. It's, it's something to kind of, there was recently a documentary about some aspect of it on, um, Netflix called dark city, dark city on Netflix is kind of a very artsy look at Baltimore club. Um, they don't play all of the older ones, but Baltimore Club also fucked my life up, like in a in a pretty crazy way. So I hear Tribe Called Quest, and then that piques my curiosity about listening to the radio. While I listen to the radio, Baltimore Club becomes like a bigger part of my life. And there are two competing stations at the time. There's V103 and 92Q, who at eight o'clock on Fridays used to have these club mixes. They'd be like two hour blocks of incredible music, like incredible club music. And it would fuck me up. Cause I was like, I, I gotta record it on each one. So I try to record each station and that got me into recording things and making playlists. And you know, you did it with tape, which was hard as fuck, but you make a playlist of things that you like to listen to. And so you could listen to something on the way, you know, on the bus, on the way to school or something like that. And that got me listening to more types of music, the radio essentially. That's crazy, because this is like what, 93, 94, right? So it's an era that's way before YouTube, way before the yeah. internet. And it's also nifty because it's not Montreal and it's not a well-documented place such as New York or LA. Right, So right. it's always nifty to like, like <clears throat> how much like for you, like I guess at that age, the radio is a big part of it, but you also like get turned on to music videos. You start like dubbing tapes. Like tell us yeah. a bit what it's like for you to actually go about getting new music at this era beyond the radio. So you hear a dope ass song on the radio. Then what happens? Yeah. <laughs> then you try to figure out what it is. So that was, that was the hardest part. You'd be like, okay, I heard something on the radio. And so one of the things that happened was, um, one of our cousins, so Tizzy, uh, and I had an older cousin named Tuna who listened to a ton of hip hop, but I was petrified of talking to him. So what I'd do is I'd, I'd listen to his music. He was, he was the plug on new music. You like, you stick your ear, you know, your ear out to the stair stairs and you hear like Nas, it ain't hard to tell or Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with or grave diggers or, or something that like, I, I was, I was, I could not handle how vivid Nas was like I could not handle when I first heard Illmatic in in my aunt's house uh it fucked another thing it, it like I know this sounds like hyperbole man but it, it really no, it doesn't it sounds like this you're young right like this it, yeah yeah all of us remember being young and watching and having this shit like I swear 
every single human that I've talked to may not have used the same language, but has described the same experience approximately at this point yes. when they've had it. So here's the problem, Holden. I'm 37 and I still have the same feeling. I, that fe I still have those explosions still happen to me. And I can't figure out what that has to do with. Some, t some of it feels like it's like allowing yourself to experience something yeah. with a lack of with a lack of like judgment. You know, it's like you take it in a new movie, a new song, a new something can still do the same thing. Like I, when I think about the feeling I felt when I listened to Nas Illmatic or It Ain't Hard to Tell First, I, I can definitely tell you times I felt that in the past six months or so. Mm. I relate to yeah. that. I try to keep that alive, but I lost that. But then I got it again. Like that's one oh, of those shit. muscle things, right? Because um, what stopped it? If you don't mind me asking, what, what was the thing that like somewhere in my early twenties, whatever? I guess I just I didn't allow myself to care. Like I was always excited about shit. In an let's say like like regular shit can excite me a lot, but let's mm. say the luster of life wasn't what it was. But then when I started looking for like newer experiences and probably my mid twenties, I decided being miserable probably wasn't like the path forward in life. And I didn't really have good reasons to be miserable. So I started the process of like looking for shit. And man, mm. if you start looking for shit, there's just amazing stuff all over. Like yeah. if you, if you like take a really open mind to music, even you can like find stuff like i remember the first time i found bjork's music and she recorded a track on her first album where she went into the bathroom she first of all she's performing it live and she takes a hand recorded mic as she's spitting the track walks okay. into the bathroom stall and then leaves the fucking venue and then that's the album version and that shit okay. blew my off i was like yo you can just you, you that's you can just make music like that and this right, was right, like right. What, three years ago maybe <clears throat> But just to be able to see the world through, for me, it's a lot of perspective. So with this, with this show, oh my fucking god, dude, I get to go through this a lot. Like, right, right, right. You can just record your kid, fucking. You can just spit the the books at the kid and turn. You can do that right. afar. That's gonna That's solve good. all kinds of fucking problems. Oh, shout out, uh, Rachel for the follow. I missed that. My bad. Um, okay. But yo, so it's like, yo, for me, it's like, if you look for it and you allow yourself to be excited like a six-year-old, you can be excited by a six-year-old. Yeah. Holden, when I hear, when I, when I talk to a, a hip hop producer and they say that they, they've created a whole album on an iPad or an Android tablet, I want to punch them in the chest. I feel the same level of like, I'm like, how can you make music completely on a tablet? I can't tools I, I know that's weird a weird correlation but i have that same level of amazement you talk about kids no, people dude, just I'm, making hold on i'm 33 right so mm. i have the exact same level of amazement that you do <laughs> my man sends me some shit i'm like bro yo these beats are wicked he's like yeah the guy made them entire he's like 17 made them on an ipad mm. i interviewed a 17 year old ron james you I, so you might not want to interview a 17 year old if you are feeling you, this makes way. you feel crazy, right? He has recorded so, recorded 185 songs by himself, mixed and mastered, and he's 17 by himself. I normally don't like uh, ask people to to like. I don't. I normally don't say things that try to incite violence, but I beat that little kid up. 
I know. I know. I just saw off the strength of like, I got like a good right hook. Like I would just <laughs> punch him. He'll be okay. I'll just punch him in his chest and like you fucking. Yeah, piece here's of the problem. He was so humble about it. He was oh, so man. respectful to the arts. He was. He was just That's so cool, man. All the things, and you're like, it's just astounding to me that the your young people are actually my best answer for where I get the most of that feeling. I go talk to a 20 year old. Oh, wow. I walk yeah. out with this feeling like the whole world is incredible because it's like they're all good at branding. And, and, yeah. and I'm like, that's a surprisingly marketable skill to have in this day and age. It looks like yeah. this generation is going to be high. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, that's I'm hopeful. But I also think it's perspective. If you hang out with negative nillies all the time and everybody wants to be a naysayer and everyone wants to see the worst in everything, then you're never ever going to allow yourself to experience. If you want to like, if 1985 is like the pinnacle of content, then you'll never see how dope 2021 is. Yeah. People that talk like that are like legitimate haters. Like, like I think good music gets made all the time. Like, you know, people that are like, R&B isn't like, sure. I mean, obviously like, there was a there was a marketing team that was handling putting something in front of your face every moment of the of the day. MTV, the, the promo cycle with that. So like in our heads, things are represented very differently. Fast. But if you mean like the 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 pool of talent is huge now. And you can listen. You know what's one of the scariest things in the world? One thing that I kind of wish we we would get back is like if you and I talk, Holden. I could live where you live on the same street and we could talk about music and I'll give you 50 people that you've never heard of in your life. And you will give me 50 people that I've never heard of in my life. And it will, it, it's the weirdest thing in the world. I kind of missed when there was like yeah, some level of So you can have that again, but you got to look for that and it's hard to find. But I, so I started doing album reviews. We're going to go back mm -hmm. to you in a little bit, but I fucking love this yeah, chat. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, I started doing album reviews. And bro, I started finding all this underground shit. And I realized what happened was, is Billboard used to rely on the streets to find mm. what's really hot. Billboard don't give a fuck what anybody thinks but data. So yeah. it changed. The metric of success went from tastemakers to data. And yeah. unless you really understand like the 30 years of a and r's and the evolution and you've really gone down this path of this music history rabbit hole it's hard to like understand why certain music charts and certain music doesn't chart now versus then but right. none of y'all buying albums you know how easy it would be to make one of these dudes chart on a coordinated effort of like 500 people who are willing to put up 20 yeah. bucks each so i'm just saying if y'all want to see your favorite guy chart go yeah. buy his shit Y'all doing it with the AMC stock? I'm just saying, like, it can it can happen with other things. Like, I'm I'm watching, like, I'm a, I'm an I'm an investor, uh, AMC to the moon. I'm actually paying attention to stuff like that, but like, it's a coordinated thing. People meet in a place, they talk about it, they do it, and then it just happens. It's not that hard. It's like you're gonna tell me that y'all couldn't take a Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist album and keep him at number one for five weeks? Like, come the fuck on! It's up to you By guys way, to put that effort album. in. By the way, incredible album. Incredible album. I don't know. I heard two of them. I don't know which one you mean. There's uh, so pin not pinata. There's pinata, uh, and then there's the other uh, Alfredo. Yeah, Alfredo. Okay, yeah, Alfredo was, was the one. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good. That's what I'm saying. Like, if people really want to do it or take your, you could. T so, this dude was telling me just the other again, astounding fucking moment to me. 
he used QR codes to kind of play with the sales a bit and then use the combination of that and just decent people skills to get enough people to buy his shit to put him next to Cardi B in the iTunes store. Random. That's insane. So it's like, if that guy could pull that off on the number of people it took to do it, it's like, nah, people would much rather be haters than put their dollars down on creating change in meaningful ways like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hate, hating, people don't talk about how good it feels to hate. Ah, so Ooh, it feels so good. You ever like somebody do something slightly better than you and you just like that dirty, All the time. ugly. All the time. Like you just feel it. It just feels good to hate. I mean, like, but Gotta there's some ahead. like it creates a ripple effect, and you know that energy will be will circulate and come so, back. So to I can say point. my early content career was a lot of that jealousy. For real? Well, cause I didn't know better. Like I didn't. Re I, I came in. I put in so much effort, and then you know it doesn't necessarily work out as much as you think it's going to be at first. And then you see there was one guy, and he commented on my shit, and then he was at like ten thousand views. And I'm not the hugest fan of his content, and I don't uh -oh. think we jive right. But the fact that he was just doing so much better by making such cheaper content got to me for a little bit one time. But then I got That's older, crazy. and I realized. Yo, but we doing things and like there are elements to it that are like worth not paying attention to like being jealous of other people's success when you've managed to make your life more interesting Damn. you know like and having perspectives to it but yeah i had to learn how to not be a hater and how to just love other people's success like that is a skill that i think a lot of people should put time and effort into honing yeah. and develop especially if you want to interview people because then yeah. you're going to be talking to lots of people with way better accolades than you very true. I, I appreciate that emotional honesty, man. If you didn't answer that properly, I would think you've been holding out. Facts, but it's also like you see what I did. I, I played on your name. I said holding out. I man, gloss come over. on, holding. Ah, man, I get all the puns on my name. I gloss over them. I'm just like eh, any other. Oh, pun don't there? don't ever gloss over my puns. Ever in your life, gloss <laughs> over my puns. You're gonna you're gonna absorb them into your body, and then you're gonna Amazing. you're gonna take them in like naturally but yeah no um i definitely think it's worth it if somebody if like very few people leverage the power of asking me questions really yeah they don't care is my genuine thought so they just want to talk that's weird i like conversations well, right? okay sometimes it's not even that i'm gonna throw like one more before we go back to your story because i do want to we'll bring it back on course I and mean, i'm loving this though this is why it's fun to talk to interviewers because y'all know how okay. to talk Right, right, right. Um, thank you thank you man so i have like conversations with people where they want to talk they don't ask me questions but they also don't really answer beyond like a couple of, of like sentences mm. and you're like but like but like wait what i just took 90 seconds to build that shit up and now you just so i've had episodes where i swear 75 percent of it is me talking and then trying to answer the question for the person not a lot yeah. and in some cases it's actually related to that like literary literacy thing you were touching on earlier and i realized <laughs> there's a socio dynamic towards an entire culture of people who have been taught not to speak with lots of words to use code Ooh. to work around Ooh. it put into a position where now they're on the internet being asked questions and they use phrases like you know what i mean for a lot of reasons and now you're faced with an environment where they actually required somebody 
to take the time to paraphrase it so they can co-sign the right answer. And that was so fucking complicated for me to wrap my head around. That took months. You, you sound like a BuzzFeed article right now, and I love it. Bro, my brain is like a BuzzFeed article, but without the clickbait. Like, I would never want to tell like shit a like BuzzFeed that. Article. Like, the good sort of, but like, man, I just, because, yo, the dude hit me up after and basically said that in different words. So I wasn't, like, coming right. at it from, like, no, I no, no, that no, shit I up. It. it was just, like, you learn this shit. It's crazy yeah, shit. It's, it's heavy, man, because you don't want to, especially in a culture where, like, there are media outlets that really encourage people to to tell about their criminal acts about uh you know their relationships their beefs you know that's that's with beards like mine mr vlad i don't i don't know who that is i've never heard of dj vlad is like he's just a fucking yeah yeah, i tell people don't turn me into dj vlad if they start trying to self-incriminate now if if I'm just talking to you and I just take out a shotgun, you're allowed to to ask me why I have a shotgun out. Like that Big makes facts. sense to me. But like if I'm just like carrying it like this, and, but if if you just ask me like, man, I heard that you had beef with Lil Keyshawn. Lil Keyshawn just a person I just made up. But right. if who's my beef with Lil Keyshawn? I'm like, you know, Lil Keyshawn. When I see him in the streets, I'm gonna slap him with my um my leather glove. You might be like, that's. You know, you go you go put that as the headline in my interview that I'm gonna s- slap Lil Keyshawn with a leather go- glove. He's not, you're not even being hyperbolic. It is flat out like exactly what he does. That's what I, he does. Like That's flat out, what he does no. Yeah, so I don't know. Oh, it's it's the worst. It's, so it's like for me, it's like nah. If I'm especially if I'm gonna be white up in this shit, I'm not gonna do that shit. I don't fucking understand the world. Um, but like. Yeah, you can yeah. name drop DJ Vlad in any clip, Bonnie. Fuck that guy. Do it for the clip. Okay, there. I'll let you, I'll let you get that off. I I don't I love everybody, man. I mean, time, I don't like people who come in and yo the amount of people who's bro like at a certain point you got criticized for it and chose to ignore the criticism and just keep being oh, himself. Right, right, right. And at that moment, it was like, nah, I can't. And and in my position, I feel like I should take a stance on him. Anybody, anybody that emphasizes that in any community is predator. That's all I'm gonna say. Like, I, that's that's how I feel. But that doesn't mean that like he had he doesn't have interviews that I don't watch. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Who else is gonna talk to Coolio, man? No, but to be fair, I don't watch any of the new ones. I'll only watch stuff if I'm researching old shit, like for battle rappers or whatever. But I just won't touch okay. his channel no more. It's done. I don't think it's fair and i think for the sake of clarity i'll say his name but like there's just so many other options on the internet of people doing similar things that just never ever fucking cross those lines but they're not getting the buzz that comes with that shit Mm. but like there's problems that come especially if you look into what's going on in jacksonville right now and like knowing he'd just take anybody on there in a second and perpetuate something that could end up in death like you know he'd do it anyway so it's, it's probably like, <laughs> yeah think deeply on this shit it pisses me the fuck no off. no no i get it i get it man um especially if you care about all the of culture it. you care about the culture and how it you know but especially when you look into people. shit and you realize that the media is the number one source of fucking shit up in almost everything the fucking pointed questions the provocative bullshit the clickbait exploits and shit so it puts me in a position where if i'm trying to be media up in this shit i'm either gonna be that or i'm not gonna be that those are my two choices 
so I'm not gonna be that. Yeah. I don't mind talking about it in like this kind of a context, but like I'm more interested in like the fact that you know you're like fucking busting out musical fucking stories and shit. <laughs> Speaking of, you're a young one. Huh. Your mind's been opened up to the world of music, <clears throat> and then you know you get in the plug. Yep. You're moving on through to club music. When do you decide, like, you want to start pursuing artistic endeavors of different kinds? Also, are you, like, a writer or any of this shit? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I write jokes. I mean, you mean, like, yeah, right. Like in high school. Oh, yeah, yeah. In, like, the oh, younger yeah, yeah. days. We're still yeah, in the absolutely. younger days of your life. Um, back to your story. Okay, went back in time. This is, like, ta you Tarantino, and I appreciate that. That's how, that's how we do. When I got to a point where, um, you know, this sort of creative bug happen yeah i was i was writing stories like i would i would write stories that always ended in somebody getting kicked in the balls i don't know it was very important that in during the course of the story that someone gets punched in the face and kicked in the balls because to me that's the best form of self-defense so i would write these stories and then you know for creative writing i took you know it's a couple creative writing classes um and uh a, a lucky lucky situation my mom also wrote and um she would i would i would give her a story and she would critique it and yeah i was stories are really big to me man like they they carry a lot of at some point we're going to figure out that there's like a like a data transferred through song and you know the the voice and, and you know oh. you know how you feel things that you Bro, feel just that's, go look a... into Icelandic poetry it's gonna fuck you up if you're already feeling this way <clears throat> oh man ancient Icelandic poetry ancient Icelandic ancient Icelandic Bro, I oh, okay it because basically you run through that shit and you realize how powerful oral storytelling is up until writing comes in damn and right and change the world man. that's crazy man. but yeah yeah so what was your question what so was the question i'm yeah. trying to map out your life in a sequence of anecdotes of your fucking creative <laughs> exploits well yeah yeah so like writing stories was was pretty huge to me man um yeah it was important and and, and uh is music a thing that you were fucking with at that time no um on occasion i would like put a rhyme together so i always thought that like everybody around me i have a funny family um and super charismatic people growing up and you know i would hear my friends uncles and stuff like that say things that like really sat with me like one time i heard two people arguing on the street and it was like a friend of my uncle's and then this man was arguing and he said um i'm gonna cut you before I, before god gets the news and i was like what what hold on, hold on and then he repeated it he was like i'm gonna cut you before god gets the news and i was like who says things like that that made me realize like there was like this sure you could be like i'm gonna i'm gonna beat you up or i'm gonna kill you or you could say i'm gonna cut you before god gets the news there's like you it made me realize that there were several ways that you could say something really very plain in a cool way it's like a poetry to language mm. so yeah that is an amazing way to like break that down so you're a young one and you realize there's a poetry to language and you're surrounded by people that are talented 
but you're mm-hmm. not necessarily pursuing the talent. No, no, there were a lot of people around me that could rap. Like there were, you know, you know, you meet that kid that's like, oh, he's the person that can, and he has like a basically he he copy and pasted a Wu Tang verse, but he he put his own like it was stuff like that. But I started making beats um, right around fourteen. I'd say fourteen or fifteen is when I started making beats on Fruity Loops. So this when is I, what, like ninety seven. So when is? Let me find out when FLs because I was making beats. Uh, uh, the very first Fruity Loops. Yeah. Oh, so this must have been. Yeah, I remember creating it like. When did I have Fruity Loops? So it must have been, yeah, it must have been like, I was like 13 or 14. That's serious, though. So you basically, what gets you to a point where you're going to start making beats? Because everyone else is rapping? Everybody else is rapping. And what you'll learn about me is that everything is like a utility. I don't think about music in that sense. Like, like, uh, oh, I had... I was touched with the urge to know. No, no. What it is is like it's a feeling that you feel. Okay, you know how you know when you watch like a a horror film and like uh like somebody gets something hurt, like somebody might get a, like oh his leg got cut off and now he's using like a stick to to move like to to carry. It. That's 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 all art is to me. I mean that, that doesn't. I'm not trying to no, no. make it sound like it's not important, but I'm saying like. When there's a when it feels like uh, impairment or uh, a handicap that I have, I have to express it through whatever it is that feels like that could go in that peg instead of like where my leg got cut off. It could be like a it could be music. It could be jokes. It could be an art thing in Photoshop. It could be like a, a edited video that I made, it, you know, that could be whatever it is at that point but i'll try to learn it enough that i can express whatever feeling is happening at the time you know you just sound like one of those renaissance artists that did everything oh man don't do that to me it's what it is i mean i got a feeling and i had to manifest that feeling just in the perfect way that fit that perfect emotion (laughs) because there was a part of me that was missing and i had to it's like yo that's like some straight up bring it back kind of art i love it (laughs) okay i I respect it too so you basically get into the beats and you're on the early versions of fruity loops going through that experience of putting it together um what's that process like and how are you learning how to do it because it's one thing to be like there but like if we bring the internet back to the late 90s um oh yeah that was none of that i don't even think Um, there's a google yet there's an ash maybe that's hella forums so like forums always exist existed so you'd go on the fruity loops forums or you go like in like a a music making forum or something like that first kind of answer from this era to say forums though yeah man forums are like a soup like boxton i don't know if you know about boxton boxton's like oh man or it's bx so like it was a big place where i'd like see people that were trying to do exactly what i was trying to do put together things and make it sound not like trash (laughs) the problem was making it sound like it wasn't mechanical i think that's 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 all i wanted all i wanted for it 
to not sound like it was on like a metronome. Yo, that's big. Yeah. I like the way you said that. How do you yeah, achieve it was, that? Listening to things and figuring out like um so hi hats hi hats to me sound very metronomy. It it sounds like you're trying to time out it's it's a it's it's a it's a low there's nothing wrong with hi-hats. I'm, what I'm saying is, what I'm, what I'm about to say isn't like an insult to hi-hats. It's just your feelings. So it's yeah, all so like, game. So the math the math of it is like, you know, the counts and all that stuff. I, I couldn't really tell you any of that stuff. But I do know that sometimes when you listen to things, hi-hats a lot of the time sound like it's used to guide wherever the drums go. It's what a, you could tell that somebody was sitting in a studio like, on this count, boom, boom. And that, that's how they built the beat. When I would hear people like Pharrell and Timberland, there, there was none of that. There was no hi-hats. There was just like rhythm. It was, it, was, it was typically a cool melody. And then, and melody is like a very new thing, new agey thing in hip hop generally. Melody and then some, some really heavy duty drums to kind of go under it. But I, I, it wasn't guided by a hi-hat. It was like a thing that I heard that sounded a little more like I could make more sense of it. Cause it was like, oh God, this this is outside of that. Cause every every beat that I heard a kid make was just like hi-hats and then like some drums. They really didn't, didn't really have any uh, melodies. And that was another thing I tried to do. Every, everybody around me was trying to make beats, but I was like, why don't I add a melody to this to make it sound more like I'm gonna say Something this is you at like fourteen ish. Yeah, yeah, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, I, I, it just was. Just because, like, important. what you were saying there, I know a lot of rappers who I don't know how to communicate them, but I wish they'd rap less, like they were following the hi hats and rap more, like the grooviness. Yeah, but that's hard though, man. Like you're asking. This I mean, is again, back my to preferences, it. but this is also yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. preferences after recent revelations. So fuck old me doesn't even agree with me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but no, no, I get what you're saying. Like, there's a there's like a now that the Migos flows kind of taken over, it's really hard to understand. Like, sometimes there's like a lack of complexity because of the art form too. Like, if you rap like the Migos, Migos can do a lot within that. Right. But everybody can't be necessarily like that level of intricate with that rap style. Right. So you have somebody that's try I mean, like, however you feel about the, the Migos flow is like they are so in the pocket that people really got to give them their fucking flowers. It's like bone thugs level of like oh, in the pocket. And they're so clear. Like they're so clear. Yes. So you so you have some you have a style that is restricting because it doesn't allow for like long stretches of words, right? That are on the same bar. So you wind up like making these compromises in what you say. So you might be like, um, I got my girl in the boat. A boat. You like that's that's it. Like there's no complexity to you you wrap that scheme off a boat. You have like three things you wrap with that. She went did it with coke. So you wound up sounding like almost like a nursery rhyme, which is and look, there are people that do incredible things with that, with that thing, but I, I didn't like that. I didn't. That's why Catch the Fade is what Catch the Fade is with Tizzy. It it is like whatever you feel when you listen to Griselda. That's what we liked. 
whatever you listen when you listen to run the jewels or like we're, we're like it feels like something else is happening mm. other than that that's not to i mean that that's that's all i can really describe it as something else is happening no but i appreciate what you're saying and that's again it's not even done in a way where you're disrespectful to it you're like yo that shit's fire to be fair a lot of people copying it don't get the technical nuances that make me go super great right, also, right, right, right the haters don't get what makes me go super great they're just mad also they don't remember that short dick man is a charting song back in the day that got played in the clubs too right next to where amigo song would have been but people weren't like come on this shit's always been there it's always been yes. club music nobody yeah, went to the club who went to the club uh, there's always the guy who went to the club honestly to listen to shit like like that was really depressing or like really like super abstract theoretical like you're not going to the club to break down like a rhyme sayers album right for the most part it's like when i, I drive rhyme sayers, sure but yeah like not the club yeah when i'm when i'm riding in the car when i'm when i'm like heading somewhere like work give me migos give me facts give me so travis good. give me give me people who could give me like a feeling over and that's okay man i i think that people need to respect the idea that like mm, music yeah. exists and in in all these different sounds incite different feelings and you it's okay to grab a bunch of them to make you feel like yeah, given emotion like, at a given time i don't know i guess i just always grew up liking a lot of genres of music so i've never been mm. it's never there's never been a phase in my life where there's only ever been one genre if anything i'm giving the crown to new metal because it's the fusion of okay. genres you know like that shit's just cool to me but i also realized that there's this transition that happened where a lot of people of a certain age let's call it the millennials and up uh grew mm. up in this like phase of like you locked into your identity with genre and then youtube came and everybody just decided to like what they fucking like in the algorithm world so it's a yeah. completely different existence now where a lot of the old rules don't apply and genre lines are kind of meaningless in a way for young people that they're super important to old people and yeah. the fact is i don't know if you've ever fucked to 2014 forest hills drive you'll realize it's not a good fucking album yeah doesn't make you it less of a banger. You're definitely gonna like accidentally hit the wrong hole. You're definitely gonna slobber on her forehead. Yeah, minute, seven minute outro of shoutouts. No, no, sir. Yeah. You don't want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that's that true, man. But anyway, so you're making beats, and how do you get your samples? Because you're like uh, super young in this early internet world. I mean, I'm chopping. I'm chopping stuff up from like that's when loop packs and stuff started to be a thing right so like you got a loop pack and then you figure out that like there's a recorder within the app or or you use something like microsoft uh sound recorder we we can bring a wave man converting it to a wave file was so fucking ridiculous so you rip a cd i get like a like a 70s uh because bootleggers you know bootleg god bless the bootleggers let's show man you get like a compilation of 70s uh songs you listen to them and you rip so i saved up my money 300 dollars, by the way for a, a cd burner i i saved and saved and saved for six months i mowed lawns i did whatever i could saved up my shit also started working at like, like super young right yeah 13 and a half Oof. i started working so like i'm like 14 and i can make money 
So for each shirt, I have a pair of Air Force Ones. And then I'm also saving up for a CD burner because CD burner is it. My life is going to change if I get this because you can rip shit. You can burn shit. And when I got one, it changed my shit because I could I could carry those CDs out and be like, look, here's something with Nas and nature and and uh, cannabis and Noriega and you know you, you got some some Dub C, got some Dub C on there. You, you, you have all these things you could give to people that felt like you could make playlists. And then I didn't have a CD player in the car at that point, but. It started. And so basically your life has been in curation. So you're a curator now. You're you're a young curator. I'm curator. I'm I'm curator. And when I'm like fifteen, I, I start selling CDs. I start selling mix CDs and selling mixtapes. So like clue tapes. Uh no man, I should've. I didn't even make me I, j- I would just put Ronald mix. <laughs> It was just a lack of creativity. <laughs> Holden, Holden, you're, you, you're asking me if if I could. Cause you got to understand, my life force is coming out through these CDs. I'm putting it through the wire on these CDs. And then you fucking asking me if I, if I could salvage some of that energy to come up with a name? It's Ron Mix 001, <laughs> sir. <laughs> you take that. Because this CD is fire. <laughs> The name is trash, though. <laughs> you know, I'm giving like, you the most trash name I just ever. I can kind of imagine they start circulating one day, <laughs> and it's like, yo, bro, Ron Mix Zero Force Two is the best Ron Mix of them all. No, bro. You heard this shit? It's got some little Kim on it. Yo, it, and that—that's what really kind of helped me understand that, like, you could, you could do things like that. You can make CDs. You could burn them and then like see i hadn't gotten into like the recording music like i just started making beats and then i found friends um around like 15 or 16 that rapped and i could you know i took a really long time to learn how to like export the beats but like i remember giving people beats and that's i think the first time that i really started to like try to rap like i was not my my rap name was arson r-s-u-n how did you come up with that i thought that fire was so fire. like i was you know when people say shit's fire man i i was fire back then like i was you couldn't tell me any different like to me my imaginary rhymes that i hadn't written yet were gonna be fire so i was i was arson I was I was Bro, guaranteed amazing. I was gonna set your compact disc on fire and burn your IKEA furniture. So Dude, your imagination is incredible. Keep in mind, folks. We're still in like the young, young teenage years. Yeah, man. We that's kill them at this point. It's the foundational <laughs> yo, you gotta understand. At some point in life, everybody has to do that part. It's way better to do that part when you're 15 than when you're 27. <clears throat> yeah, 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 absolutely, man. So I guess, um, how do you start recording people? How does that process start working for you? It happened at other people's houses because it took a really long time. There was like a gap where like I would give somebody a beat, but I wouldn't really like 
Okay, so the first time I ever recorded my own voice, I had to God, gee, God, it was a it was audition before it was Adobe Audition, <laughs> and it was the first app that I used where you can line up two uh, tracks. So you know, I would have a beat. I had a little beef with a friend of mine. So like we would we would like. He said he could rap better than me, and I was like, I don't rap very often, but I could rap better than you. <laughs> so, I would we would record things through audition. We got a bootleg, we just got a, got a file. In our senior year of high school, we just send each other disses. Like, hold up, I send you a diss. It's like you're a bitch. You you don't eat. You piece of shit. You you like Burger King over McDonald's. Like that kind of shit. Like ridiculous disses that just didn't have any weight at all but it, it was the first time that i got familiar with the idea of like it this could once it leaves my hands i don't know how it's going to be received and he was angry because i talked about his 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 cousin who was a in my eyes a bitch like i i thought he was the super biggest bitch in the world <laughs> his he was just a dumb person he had a narrow head i used to talk about how narrow his head was and i talked I, I like talked about that on the song how did you guys give that you burn discs and hand off the discs, email the files or man, look, we used to email them, which which would take forever. So like you would that the files would be like God man. So the first first one I did burn him a disc and gave it to him. I was like, listen to this because you're gonna need this because you're gonna re-listen to this this fire from arson that's gonna burn your whole house down. <laughs> and and then I emailed him one. Uh, but yeah, it was it was trash, man. It was trash. It was, but it was great because because it was the first time that I could record something and hear my voice. And I was like, I have a weird voice. It's too it's too heavy. I feel like it's not a like a rapper's voice. Everybody sounds like they they just that one of their balls dropped. It's like just if you have that voice where it's like eh, 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 that voice works so well over my octave. I feel like you know think about anybody that's popular. It's like Drake's and the yo the baby actually has a deep voice. The baby has a pretty heavy voice, but like you know. He's also an extraordinary sort of word sayer, like in in my eyes. He's got a whole he's got a whole vibe. If you yeah, yeah, he does. Because yeah, I was just thinking, DMX had a whole vibe. He rocked that voice. He did. Say what you will. Ja Rule had a whole vibe for a minute. Rocked that voice. Yeah. Well. Pac had a and vibe. And cornrows rocked it. Cornrows and deep voices together equal a smash hit. I don't care what you say. Murder. Yep. <clears throat> nah, but. Nah, I mean, you you also can go the thoughtful route, though. You can always take that, I'm super pensive with my rhymes. You should listen to every kind of word that I say. Philosophical bars for days. Yeah. That just doesn't work as well for mass sales, but totally yeah. niches you in. Totally. Like, the problem is I like I like too much what, it, what people call fuck shit. I like a lot of fuck shit. I like, I like fights and, and like, I would like world star and like I'm a that I always have to battle this in my head because like I'm a pretty positive person, but I also like to see people get knocked out. You know, it's like a weird 
thing. It's like the animal part of our brains that just desires to see somebody get kicked in the nuts. It's always existed in us. That's I'm just a little more honest about it than most. No, I mean, I I feel bad for the people who get kicked in the nuts. That's what happens when I watch it. I'm just like, yeah, I know what you mean. I can't help it. I'm not really into yeah. it, but I understand the desire because I like yeah, 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 formats. I like animal yeah. fights because there's no people involved, but it's basically yeah. the same shit. You're just watching like two fucking animals going at it. It's a wonderful time. It's yeah. like it's pretty weird, but it's still a wonderful time. Um, so basically, you're doing beats in high school. You're going mm. by to people's cri- uh, cribs. You guys start recording. You start doing little diss tracks that you're sending back and forth. Do you ever get around yeah. to like actually going further with it at that point? No. Um. So, my friend. Uh, Blizz had a group called Bemeray Records. Like it was like a group, and they would record rap, rap songs. Why am I saying it like this? Why am I saying it like like a person who who's never heard this before? They would record songs, and it was like really pretty dope because it was like they had like a system. It was like five or six of them in a group. They would. They had a producer, an in-house producer. He would lay down the songs. They record them, put them out, sell their CDs. And I just kind of sat around, and I'd be like, "Man, I have some beats." Like I, I, I waited like a like six months of just sitting in those sessions, and I was like, "I have beats." And then I played some, and they were just like, "These are dope," but like, you know, nothing really happened. You know, it was nice to hear that somebody outside of myself was like oh these are pretty good beats but you know they had an in-house producer and he did the majority of that stuff um so i didn't really have a taste of like hearing somebody over my beat for quite some time like it really took quite some time before that before i heard it you know before i mm-hmm. heard it yeah and and i'd say not to skip around like um but Tizzy and I really started doing stuff together because of a a drunken night with a friend in 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 like this suburban area of Baltimore uh, called Towson. It's like Towson, Maryland, Towson University. Uh, Amy Schumer went there. I went there. I was like out one day, and there was this drunken man. And uh, he was getting hot dogs behind me. Didn't pay any attention to him. He was like six foot five. And this really pretty girl that was like athletic build. And she said, she asked me if I could, if I could guess the name of the picture on her phone, she would give me a kiss. And I said, kind of quickly, not paying any attention. I was like, that's a marma set. The reason I knew that is because I used to watch a lot of shit with like animals. So I turned around and then the girl kisses me. Like, I wasn't paying any attention. Like, I thought, okay, she's going to walk away. That That's the thing drunken people say. I turn around, the girl kisses me. Upon that happening, the dude with the hot dogs that was at the hot dog stand grabs my shoulder and says he's going to fuck me up. I come to find out that's the, the, the woman's big brother. And he's going to fuck me up. So I start trying to tell jokes before he's going to beat me up. And he starts laughing at me. And he's like, I like you. Like, I was going to fuck you up, but I really like you. I can't believe this happened. And then his friend was like, why don't you come with us to our apartment? And we'll we'll just talk and eat some pizza. We get, I'll take these hot dogs to these girls. 
we got there and I found out what the guy I was walking with was a producer. He he was a, a producer and he was like uh, he, he had a studio at a farm and I knew that Tizzy rapped. So I was this like, yo, like I all kinds of wild this story. I just yeah, had to yeah. in. <laughs> so I'm like, t- so I hit Tizzy up. I'm like, yo, I know a dude on a farm that has a studio space and I make beats. We should make something together and that'll be a thing. And from that, the Wackness came out. The Wackness, uh, Tizzy's mixtape. Mm. That's on, he recently re-released it on uh, Spotify. It's like one of the better freshman mixtapes you'll probably ever hear. It's like real all over the place, but I produced a bunch of stuff on it and I rapped on it. It was like one of the first times that I'd ever like rapped, for real rapped. I wrote a 16 and put it on a song. And I was like, this is a little weird, but it was fun. And that kind of created this bug that later, years later, became Catch the Fate. So I remember Tizzy's version of that from the Tizzy interview, which is fun okay. to your side of it. I think his was more Tizzy-centric, to be honest. But you were definitely so, mentioned a lot. I remember so it. was a, like a lot of farts. There was a lot of farts and facts. like uh, facts. Okay. That's Go ahead. But you were saying Tizzy-centric. Yeah, I mean it was a Tizzy show. Now we're in the Ron James show, yeah. so it's Ron James centric. Y'all gave me—he gave you a lot of love, a lot of fucking love. He's because I was like, yo, I gotta talk to Ron James after. I just was left yeah. with that impression. Um, he's a—he's a brother. He's a brother I never had, honestly. Like he's like a—he and I are like. Yo, he's like in the comments, nonstop commenting this whole interview. Like he's there for real. This is how the whackness started, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, lol. And then followed by all caps, he killed that shit, double exclamation mark, lol. Then Exo's going, my very first time being introduced to Sir Tizzy, still bumped that to this day. Followed by Sir Tizzy going, Ronald, relax, LMAO, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because <laughs> that was a crazy time, man. Like, it was, it was like, it, was, it felt fresh. And I, I, I think what I wanted... And this is something I never really thought about until just now was like, I needed, I needed him to know that he could have something that could last forever. Like, regardless of how many people listen to it, it could be, once you do it, you can't undo it unless you erase it. But once you put it out into the air, you know, you just, you just don't know. But like creating it was probably one of the more special things I've ever done. Um, I got into a really bad car accident right after we recorded it. Almost died in a car accident. Um, I should have did. I should have did through the wire right now. That's, you know, I almost died, but I really in my head was like, damn, I should have written like a through the wire right there. Should have, fuck. I, you know, you, you, you worried about not dying and healing. And I was like, damn, I should have made through the wire just right there in my bed. I mean, I appreciate the sentiment because I'm pretty sure I'd be more like on that tip looking back on it now, but it's still fucked up that like that experience happened and it's pretty blessed that you survived it and were able to do a whole bunch of incredible shit post that. But you said you went to college and this sounded like it happened after college or is it in college that this is happening? Yeah, it was like, like, yeah, right. The accident happened right after college. I uh, had to learn how to use my right hand again. Uh, so like it was really hard because I really wanted to make beats again. I really wanted to uh, do stuff again, but I my right hand wasn't working, so I had to like go to therapy and stuff like that. 
So at the time, so this is so weird, man. I had an interesting, I was testing video games kind of on and off for a couple years. And then I'd gotten like a more normal job and I got into the accident right after that. Um, and I couldn't work for a while because my right hand just didn't work. Like I had to relearn how to use it. I was in a lot of pain. I had to get a metal plate put in it. And uh, that was right around the time that the, the whackness kind of came out because I was like recovering, which is crazy to think about that. Uh, but yeah, it was like a just traumatic experience. Uh, but also Tizzy getting that album out. So like, I, it was like, the good part about it was that this album came about. I actually got into the accident on the way to picking up the mix and mastered CD of the Wackness, which is crazy. Crazy to think about. Yeah. Definitely. Man, it's, a, it's like a big one. I'm really yeah. glad that you got through it and it's Thanks, sounds man. like a fucking rough experience. But I did want to touch on your college experiences a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, you ended up going on to do podcasting and movie breakdowns and all kinds of shit. So I'm wondering, yeah. like, what the fuck went, went on in college that made you get all up into these shenanigans later on? If you were involved in anything and what the experience was life in, like yeah. in general. <clears throat> my, my, um, I went to Towson University um, at, because of Tizzy's mom who went to Towson University, I needed some guidance. And I was like a bad, I was like a shitty student. I was in uh, community college for three and a half years, four years. It's almost, almost, I was almost in community college for four years. I was like really messing up. And, but I got my act together and I transferred to Towson. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And one day I was in a film, uh, film class. And the guy said, uh, you talk too fucking much. You should do radio. Ah. It's like, what? He's like, you talk entirely too much. Like, you should do radio. Like, you would be incredible at radio. So I went to Towson with a major in radio. In the first year that I got there, they transitioned the program because radio was dying. Like, you know, you got to think like this was, I graduated from high school in 2001. This was like 2000. 2005 2004 radio was like as we knew it as we knew radio like it wasn't like always a determining factor of a hit anymore they stopped my radio Hold major on. can i just ask a question bonnie made a great point in the in the chat everybody in that program must have had the best voices is that true yo is like radio is that where you go for the lydia's voice collection you're gonna get honestly some of the more interesting voices yeah i i heard going to college like some incredible voices there's this guy named kieran uh kieran kitson walter has one one of one of the greatest voices i've ever heard in my life like yeah so i was there specifically for radio which transitioned into basically music recording sure. and when i was at yeah when i was in towson I had a radio show called uh, The Tempo Tantrum. The Tempo Tantrum was like a 10 song uh, playlist and it circulated throughout the dorms in Towson University. And then I made an MP3 version and put that online. And this was 2004, sure. 2005. So like, I, I, I loved 
podcasting the idea of like so so this was a like a mixed thing so that was happening i was also dating a girl that went that moved to ghana i needed a way to communicate with her so the tempo tantrum was essentially the first 10 tempo tantrums were just Aww. essentially yeah i love you letters that could that could circulate to ghana because they were mp3s she would have to go to like this little restaurant and download the episodes but the my first foray at podcasting was essentially to talk to a girl in ghana through mp3s dude that is like romantic as fuck i'm soft as shit i'm soft as baby shit get it that's the to be honest with you man like look if you like Bro, soft, soft is, is the baby. new hard look I don't know soft when that happened it. but it was kids but the young people have like yo if you're soft as shit you're the new hard because it's brave to be soft in public yeah so yeah, it became yeah. like it's so it's so it's so not what we grew up with but it's nah. so advantageous to be soft and old today everybody i know that's hard is broke <laughs> I, I don't know a person that, i mean i'm not trying to be funny man like i don't Holy know I, every shit, I love su- it. every every super tough dude i know is broke or dead and i think that it just it, it just requires so much energy and this is like regardless of race shape these are people all the hard people i know are dead broke shit, or man. in jail like, it's one of those things that, like, you know, like, like I get where you're coming from, but holy fuck, man. Like, that just up, slaps, man. It slaps, right? But, like. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard thing to say. It's like, it, and this is, you know, I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Like, all the hard people I know are serving time, gone, or or sweeping somewhere. And there's nothing wrong with sweeping, by the way. Let me, let me sweep in somewhere. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Um. I do think, though, that one of the more fascinating things I found talking to young people is that emotionally vul- emotional vulnerability on the Internet is an attractive trait to all young people across the spectrum. And that is just it, like such a useful thing to be in this time. It's useful, but you have to understand that the Internet is forever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it is though. Like, cognizant of what you're saying, yes, you shouldn't just be spewing all the nonsense, but like, yeah, with a little finesse, you can use your story in a powerful way to like communicate vulnerability from a position of strength, like the through the wire that I should have did after I got in that car accident. (laughs) God damn, man, I think about that a lot. I was like, I should have did something around that time, yeah, but like, on the other hand. Your life looks like it's got a whole bunch of shit going on, and it's pretty not boring. So it all yeah, worked out in a way where maybe doing that song might not have been the move because it yeah, wasn't meant to be what it is today. But still, I like the you, way you think, Holden. I just try to. I used to be a negative nilly, and then the more <laughs> I embrace positivity and the silver lining approach to shit, and my new mantra is think like a 17 year old pretend I'm broke as fuck when I face obstacles because mm. these 17-year-olds are doing some shit. Mm. And, uh, I like the way you think. How man. can they do shit with no money? There's no way daddy's spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars. No, they're just doing shit and figuring yeah. it out. And I'm they're, Okay, they'll get the $20 for the iPhone app and make the whole beat. That's true. So when you think about it from the position of this kid is just being resourceful, he doesn't plan on doing that forever. He's just being resort. It's like fucking amazing. 
It's just like, yeah. wow, I'm inspired again by that shit. So I try to, yeah, but it took like months of getting over myself. It, that, that's a process. <laughs> but um, yeah. then you do it and it's all fun and games again. Yeah, so yeah, still, man. you're writing podcast mixtapes off of your college radio experience, which is exposing yeah. you to a lot of more, what, curating, which we can tie back into your curating life early on so that's fucking fantastic mm. that curating is already a repeating force in your world so how right. does college radio play out is that something you do for the whole time or is it like a little thing that fades out yeah i do it i do the temple tantrum all the way out of college like you know i graduated from taos and i still did it for quite some time um i had a i didn't have like a huge following or anything but like i loved doing it i loved putting songs together i loved the way that felt um, and, you know, so essentially my, my college life was like, I worked at GameStop. I tested video games on and off for four years, five years, about five years. No, close to six, close to six years. And then, um, did you work on anything cool or are you not allowed to say, oh, I guess now you're allowed to say. So we, we essentially did the universal Vivendi stuff. So like, uh, this is back back then, so don't don't judge me. The Lord of the Rings original game before EA did it, the thing, uh, the Hulk that was based on the movie, the Hulk, the first one with the Eric Bana version, Bruce Lee, uh, I said Spyro, um, bunch of like mobile games, but yeah, I have like I have my name in credits. That was like. That was another thing, man. Like seeing your name in credits can change a shit. Like it, it, it gives you a perspective about things that that you don't really feel mm. until you see it. You're like, oh, my name can be associated with something of quality, or it could be forever on something, or you know. It's kind of like seeing your name in the newspaper for the first time. Yes, hopefully not for anything bad. No, I mean like a positive association. Oh, like right, like, right, right, yeah. Like, yeah. In, like an award or I, I got a public speaking contest and they wrote about it in the local paper. They just, oh, like wow. A footnote, but my name's in that shit and it's in my closet to this day. That's dope, man. <clears throat> yeah, it was like, yo, I could be in the paper for shit. For real, real. Yeah. Not like yeah, the paper. Yeah. I think it was like the Montreal <laughs> Gazette back when oh, print mattered. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, but yo, think about that statement. That means kids is gonna grow up and never have the opportunity to be in the paper. That's crazy, man. I never thought about that before. This that's moment. crazy to think about. You know, I think there's gonna be like, as as much as it's getting away from us, I think there's just gonna be a resurgence of stuff like that. I think physical things are gonna resurge in, in like a couple years, because I think that there's like. Whenever, remember when Polaroids were a thing for a little bit again? Like people yeah. were like buying Polaroid cameras. I think physical things still matter. And sometimes that's a thing. That's a, you know, that's a weird thing about young people. I love young people, but sometimes they don't see like, like long-term things. Like, like things don't last forever. Sometimes kids will talk about something like, like, uh, like some, like this kid was clowning. I heard this kid clowning this lady because she was on Facebook, and he was at the time he was on like Vine, and Vine is dead now. <laughs> like you, you, you become that person now faster. You, you are washed now. If you like, it, the service doesn't exist. 
and then it's weird to think that like you talk that there's like a language of like this doesn't exist anymore i don't deal with that anymore that's old or that that's gonna happen that still happens to young people so imagine how like a person feels that's like 10 years removed from social media they're just like i don't want to yeah i think it's gonna be like like i think what you said is interesting just in general because the young people don't have the longevity per se but they also lack the perspective of what it was like beforehand which is another one so a big one that really like fucked me up was there's like 17 year olds 20 year olds these kids have like numbers like numbers that i wish i could get with my music i don't mm, get them right, right. i'm not into paying for ads <laughs> And they're just really doing social media right. Yes, I'm man. Be real that... with you, they're doing it right. Like, I don't know how to do it right the way they're doing it right because I need to hire somebody to think like that so that they can produce it for me because I can't produce the shit. I can think yeah. of the shit, but when we get to the actual making it part, I suck ass and I don't think I'm gonna get younger with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's sure. a labor of love, man. Like. You know the the work that that's required to put in for that is just it's a lot it's a big commitment so it's also like yeah. you have to love video editing and a lot of shit like that to pull it and i don't i just don't love it you don't and i mean i'm talking even the phone app video editing i'm just not right right i'm into the pick up my phone and make a bad story version of social media that only takes yeah. you so far <laughs> i started video editing during the quarantine uh i created this series on my instagram called quarantine dream where like for a couple months i was doing like positive messages mm. as frequently as i could that were like once a week um and that lasted for a little bit that 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 was nice i i just didn't know how to edit it was like a real excuse to learn how to edit so i like took adobe premiere and started chopping stuff up and i'd make these positive messages about you know because my friends were going nuts man we were all collectively kind of going nuts you know and i was like let me come up with something that could encourage my friends to still have fun and still look on the brighter side and without feeling too preachy you know so i appreciate that but it's like i've done a lot of video editing also it's an amazing <laughs> campaign <clears throat> a lot of boring ass video editing i used to do how-to videos at work so mm. and then one time i said i'm gonna make a lyric video where the words fly in on cue About that's so hard man three and a half minutes into the four and a half minute song i give up yeah <laughs> it's hard, hard bro. it's not hard it's super fucking time consuming it's time consuming yeah it's more You're like absolutely an right. absolutely like and you have to desire it you may notice that the visual stuff i'm in control of like setting up obs looks like ass and the only things that look nice in my universe other people design like it's to the point where people are like holding you're not allowed to design your own album covers you're trash if you're feeling like you're oh, gonna make a cover damn. you hit me up and i'll make the cover for you hold it that's the level of like where i'm at with visual I'm learning. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm that bad. So it's like video editing isn't fun. It's not like other people should do it. I, I yo, you need a script, bro. You need copy. You need a gala, but like you need visuals. I'm not the guy. Just, I got you. <laughs> I can do a lot, but not that I've tried. 
Like it took a long, I had to make the lights dimmer. That was easier than figuring out a set. I just made them. Right, right, right. <laughs> I get it. I definitely get it. Oh man. But, um, that's, that's sick though, that you did all that in high school and you got exposed to that whole ecosystem. Cause it comes with like a lot more, right? If you're in college radio, you're going to get exposed to sponsorships and, and just yeah. a bunch of other things. So. And that must have just translated into all of your podcasting adventures later on in life. Yeah, I had an early obsession with, I, I love conversations, man. Um, I think they really are the like, I don't know. It's one thing that'll never get old. It's one thing that'll never age is like connections between people. And, you know, that that's how I learned to, to make connections. Like, you know, my, my wife often talks about like how much I talk to people and I'm out. And some of it is like, you know, I can go into a room and I'll get four people's contact information. I know, I know somebody produces, I know somebody edits, I know somebody that's the way that I work, but that's important because that, that I may have something I can help them with, you know, like I'm talking to you holding, like you may have something you do that you can help me with. And I'm, it's an exchange of energy. You know, it's like this exchange that's super important. So conversation is really important. I love conversation. I love podcasting and I was, I've been doing it for a really long time. And, um, I just love, I love it. You can hear it in the way that you conduct yourself in this one. It's like, I talk to a lot of people. Not a lot of people are able to eloquently express themselves with precision on repeat on any topic. That's when you can get into the who the fuck can podcast and who's just, you know, like, but it's, right, right. you know, the truth is every single person is a good podcaster. The facts is, is that's what your conversations is like offline. Yes. Like that's what it is, man. You're not actually like anybody that ever met me in real life. This is it. This yeah. is the experience. Yeah. Or I'm rapping or some shit. Yeah. Some of it comes from like, like not being the coolest kid Fact. when you were younger. Like, it's a weird thing. Like I was never the most popular at all, like ever, but I got along with people. So that, that was kind of what happened. Like, because I wasn't the most popular person, I was friends with what people would be considered like the not cool kids, the god kids, the you know, like the, the drug dealer kids, the, the, you know, the, the preppy kids. Like I was cool with all those people because I didn't have a group. My group was everybody, you know, and that, that really is how I conduct my life. It's how I deal with like business and, you know, it's, it's not discriminatory. Um, I went to an art school when I was, uh, I got, I got, I've been at three schools. I got kicked out a bunch of high schools. I got kicked out of two high schools. The second one that I went to was an art school and I went for um, literary arts. I guess I didn't tell you that either. I went to a school for literary arts my sophomore and junior year of high school. And then I got kicked out of that school. That was my second school and I went to a third school. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> just kind of like <laughs> went in a tail and you're like, yeah, I got kicked out of school. I kicked out of them. Yeah, I kicked out of schools, but you turned out to yeah. be a wonderful person. You went on to university. So, yeah, 
it all worked out. And you've also Thanks, podcasted man. for all this fucking time, which is pretty incredible. I keep in mind, we're 90 minutes in. We've tangented in a bunch. Usually it takes forever to get the tangents going on. That's my favorite okay. part, personally. Um, gotcha. I mean, it's just the flavor, right? But then we also bring it back to the story, and we're we're basically at, like, what? You're, like, early 20s in your story? Yeah, 20s, yeah. And you've just started your career for real rose. So my question is, during the whole making of the... of the whackness and all of this part up to your accident are you still like pursuing podcasting and also are you like ingratiating into internet culture at this time and like learning yes. the dynamics of that and what's it because yo i'm like i only finished high school at like 2005 so i understand the oh, like, wow. 2010 and beyond version we'll say kind of mm. get 2008 a bit facebook was new but like really i didn't have access to a computer at that point so like, oh wow. like for real real 17 whatever but like so at that point in life what's it like to be like trying to push your shit a little bit because that's also like an interesting context where we could look to the past and see what we could take from that for the future man it, it was really hard to so you have a captive art audience at first a couple years ago with facebook because like facebook was I remember I, I I got on Facebook when I went to community college at the time when you had to wait. There was a list on the front page that told you the schools that you when there was actually schools that could only apply. You had to be in a school. And I remember seeing my community college came up, come up and I signed up and I found out a bunch of my friends did. So I was like, hey, y'all haven't seen me in a while, but I have a radio show called The Temple Tantrum. I have like rap and r&b and rock and whatever electronic and you know i really tried to push that through uh facebook and that's the way that it worked for me at that point and then sometimes i would just like put it in a forum you know you'd be like in a forum and i'd be like hey check this check this podcast out this is this is me and my you know me and my playlist of songs and that happened um I had a talking podcast with a friend called the Ron and John show. Um, my friend, uh, a Korean American dude named John, where we just kind of talked about our experiences. He was a heavy duty Kobe fan and I hated Kobe. I love Kobe, but you know, I hated him cause he was so damn good and you just get sick of seeing people win. And we just talked. And that was like the beginning of the talking aspect of podcasting. That's amazing. So you're like yeah. basically an early pioneer of the podcasting era that I come and piggyback onto way later on and build up my whole thing on. Culture vulture, man. Your culture vulture. That's fact. That's not true. I'm no, just fucking. If we're talking <laughs> podcast culture, you can make that claim. You can no, really no, no. make I'm the claim that I treated podcasts heavily <laughs> like a culture you vulture. Stole Absolutely. Yeah, man, I just you jumped stole on the that podcast and fuck about podcasts. I just took from that shit. Hip hop, I no, guess no. The fuck's about. Oh, no, but like, I, I'm like, with you, I think I have a podcast. I don't know what to fucking call my shit. It's this is a it. podcast. I mean, this is a it podcast, is man. if I, because I export it to podcast networks, but if I did not, it's arguably just a video format, some other term, technicality bullshit. Because like, yeah. it's kind of ambiguous now. A podcast is a recorded audio file of a conversation, whatever it is. It's a long form, episodic audio file i looked this up for the distinction of shit mm. so 
kind of like this is a podcast, but it's also a live experience that's video driven because yeah. that is part of podcasting now, but it's not part of anyway. I'm just getting into technical nuances for no, the I sake get, of shitness. It's like it's podcast, but like I'm already going, how do we do this in VR? Like, I don't want to like put myself in a right. box and move the fuck away from video. on right, right, That's right. the past and shit. Yeah, it's yeah. there. You can watch the history, but let's talk the future. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Podcasts are interesting, man. Like it, it all. So comic comedy is like that too. Like, everything's like comedy until you see something that's different like have you listened to dave chappelle's podcast the midnight miracle that's a podcast and if you listen to it it's like this melting pot of songs and random rants and cool editing and that also can be considered a podcast it's like it's a sh it's it's i love that something doesn't have to be strapped down to the constraints right. or whatever ideas this person has and i think but that, this is a podcast i agree for the sake of it but i also think it's because like i do release it episodically in an audio format to all the podcast networks so mm. it totally works like that but yeah, let's right. say i didn't keep a like a whatever then it would just be a live radio show which is not yeah. a podcast and so there is a level of distinction between there that is going to have to get made one day with this kinds of content in the future. Also, yeah. how evergreen is your shit? How much is it a gated one-off experience? Anyway, this whole world is going in some fun places with the blending of internet. But um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's a podcast-ish format. Like, I definitely made my album reviews like a podcast. And then I decided this interview show is more like live radio that is podcastable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the live element's always fun, man. It's why I like. Uh, it's why I like podcasting. It's why I like, you know, you. It's not live, but you're recording a thing that hopefully is as unedited as you as as possible. Mm. Hopefully, to me, Facts. I'm a big fan of that. And then, which also, you know, stand up is is like the freest form of that kind of thing, and I love that. Like like a baby. I love podcasting and I love stand up, which yeah. became a big part of my life. But I really love like that's what I love about Twitch, just to bring it to like there for a second. Twitch is I yeah. think a direction that a lot of this amalgamates at. It's yeah. just the live, long form, unfiltered, insert what you do, which is kind yeah. of like podcasting moved into YouTube and had a funny little middle ground with the commentary community on those like yeah. videos where they were just doing gameplay footage and were effectively short podcast episodes with call of duty stop the guys running in circles and shit so it kind of went through a, a thing where they needed this video element and then twitch just kind of took it in the whole next direction but it's yeah. not so much like meant to be episodic but if you look at twitch everything you do there is replicatable in a vr space universe yeah or an ar space universe so it's like I think the focus is going more towards that raw and authentic. Like, who the fuck? Anybody can really create a polished product with enough time. Now, yeah. how many people can make a pro polished product live? Like, you can't fake the skill you're bringing to this in the way that you're doing your shit. That's true, man. That's and I true. I feel like people are attracted to the live experience more and more as the stock footage era dominates YouTube. And, like, I can't stress to you how 
that I mean, it sounds tribal. It, it It is like to be in a room, like, and I've done this a lot, like you're in a room and there's like 30 people in a small room looking looking at you to entertain them. And then you're just fucking around. It's like a magic to it, man. Like it's, it's absolute magic to things happening in the moment because people feel it. People feel it. Like, you know, when somebody gets up and they're like, hey, have you ever heard the one about the dog that went to hell? You're like, you know, you, you hear those, you hear jokes all the time, but when something feels loose and crazy, it's, it's, it feels different. It feels magic. And it's something that you can't really replicate. And when you try to talk to somebody about it, it doesn't feel quite as special. They, mm -hmm. they have to be there. That's why when people record live concerts, you're like, what the fuck is this? Why are you recording Beyonce wow. from 500 feet away? Like, what are you doing? Like, I can tell you the one reason I ever did that was for myself. Yes. Okay. So that, that makes sense to me. Cause you want to, you want to call back that feeling that you had, but like, if you post it, like, well, then I'm also posting it to flex because fuck that. Okay. Well, okay. Now, now if, did you have, do you have a wristwatch in the, in the view of the, the what you got to do is wristwatch in the, in the view of the concert, super flexing. And then the reflection should also have your diamond earrings in the reflection so yeah, you you quadruple flex might not be like flexing materialistically but i'm gonna flex flex experientially as much as i fucking can because yeah. that's what life's oh, about I get to that. me so yeah if i'm at that concert and you're not and i know at least 14 of my homeboys wish they were there fuck that yeah fomo motherfuckers i put yes. this whatever and say what you will like some look i'm not gonna do that for everything but yeah. for some shit, it's fun as fuck. Like, fuck that. I have a computer that can run cyberpunk with great graphics and it didn't crash. Excuse me. I had to get a console <laughs> for that game. I have a, I have an Xbox <laughs> Series X and I have a PlayStation 5 and I run, <laughs> I run my games on that. <laughs> but I know that when I said that six months ago, I got in trouble on the internet because they were not happy with me. Damn, man. Oh, oh. I no, but... Come on, I had so much fun with it. I was like, yo, the PS5 is the poor man's console. I ran that until I... It's, people got mad, though. So I people had to, get real mad I about stuff I had to run like that. that shit back a little bit. I was like, this might not be the right look for what I'm trying to do with my life. Damn. But in my heart and soul, I yeah. enjoyed that a lot. And I That's nuts, man. I just finished my last ending play. Like, all of it. The story is done for me. And then Cyberpunk, I did it. It took me from then till now for $90. What an amazing cash value, right? Congratulations. I have, I need to get back into that game. It was hard. We got all those bug fixes and I just gave up on it. So it's Yo, just sitting on my hard drive. All I'm saying is like, it's not about the game. <coughs> it's about how amazing this world is. I would probably just wait yeah. till fucking the DLC comes out because it was kind of, there's some hollowness to it. I'll give the haters some, some credit, but yeah. I'm just going to go walk through this game now and do a lore exploration series on the graph in each region. Yeah. Okay. Because I think that's worth a million views in the future. Damn. That's dope. 
but it's actually just that cool that's how much effort went into making the graph in every region so distinct to each region and i'm like bro that is like a level of art that like nobody's giving love to while they're shitting on how blurry the people are and how stupid the fuck out of here look how beautiful this game is anyway yeah i could talk about cyberpunk all day but that's not that interesting to many people as i've come to see (laughs) (laughs) it's not wrong with that man nah but um so what happens after the wackness comes out and then the car accident and then you recover um uh i start working in retail Mm. uh that happens to be run by steve jobs and creativity becomes a different thing for me it becomes like I'm around apples, I'm around a lot of Macs, and I realized like people are just making things. I was like teaching old ladies how to edit videos. I was teaching Whoa. old ladies how to use iPhones and iPads and stuff like that. And I realized that like more than anything in the world, your technology is a tool to, to create things and preserve things. And it, it represented something different to me. Like uh, the simplicity, people talk about the simplicity of, of uh, Apple and technology in, in general. The simplicity is because it makes it easier for you to do it. So like if if an older person is like, I don't know how to use this thing, but like you, you bring up the phone app and there's just this button, you press that button, that's it. You know, like I, I've taught old people for years how to use technology. And then let me just say older. I don't want to say old because that's just oh a my shitty. I understand. What older. You're saying, though. I used to do over the phone blind tech support for old people. That's what it mm. is. I know exactly who you mean. Yeah, because there's like a, a curiosity. You, you know what I realized too, man? There's a curiosity that the older community has. It's not that they don't want to learn technology. It's that they don't want to get embarrassed. They don't Facts. want you to treat them like shit. They want to learn. Bro. I would be, look, bro, I would be in those classes teaching people how to use something, right? Like, they, they're like, nobody's ever talked to me like a human being before. They would come back and be like, look, I went, I went to Paris. I have these photos I took. I organized them. I have some music under it. Check this out. Like, so you would see the reward of treating people fairly, treating people like human beings is this this blossoming creativity. And that, that I mean, it's a weird thing that I learned that at the Apple store, but um, that was a pretty transcendent moment too. Cause you, I mean, like I was around all this expensive technology, but also like I was learning that you could do a ton with that technology if you wanted to, you know, it didn't have to be an Apple. But I was I happened to be at an Apple store at the time. So Yo, it's super nifty that you bring that up. My company makes a photo editor. And part of my day oh, wow. job it's it's not it's nobody's favorite photo editor and they'd rather I don't mix up brands. Whatever. Um mm. but like it's whatever, whatever. It's, but you know what? I three or four of my singles that shouldn't have been made by me album covers were made with that photo editor and it allowed me to do that. So big ups to it. Anyway, we got this community of old people who make art with our program. 
Oh wow! Really, like yeah, they just there's this Facebook group, uh, and I, my my team has to like watch it and shit. So it's my job to like look at it, and you just watch the yo. What's crazy is the difference between the France and the U and the U.S. group. Anyway, mm. so cultural differences between the art they make, and this the fact that I just clicked like yo. I was talking to like my team, and I'm like, these people are making art with our program. Like how huge, fucking man. cool is that? That's and, really cool. And they're man. all mostly old as shit without being rude. But like yeah, yeah, they're yeah, kind of old where you think they hate technology, but they hate talking to you about technology. Yeah, that's what it is. They don't hate technology. They hate you because you talk to them like they're pieces of shit. That's what it is, man. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I started teaching people how to use technology. It was just that they want to be treated like a human being. And you and you start to realize also that they're just old kids. Like, you know, we're just older kids. Like it seems it seems like there's this big thing until you man. That's the best way I've ever heard anyone put it though. That's well it's, put. It's really true, man. Like we are all old kids and they just happen to be older kids. People deal with things almost exact same way as they did when they were in their twenties. So, like, when you see the humanity in people, that helps you understand how people get along, how people work, and once you start accepting it about the world is that people are just old kids, your world gets a lot easier. Because, like, you're, you're like, why did this person flip out? Oh, they're fucking five year old that happens to be forty five. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like. It, it's super simple. Like they're like, why are people flipping out the streets? People have been in the house. Remember how it used to be before you went to recess? You're like, yeah, I'm gonna flip some shit over. You go to recess and you're throwing rocks at people. That's the way that it works, man. <laughs> it, it's simple shit. It's simple shit. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I'm gonna be real with you. I wasn't throwing rocks at people, but I hear you. I do. Hear Here you. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, a lack. But it's true. Like, yo, I'm sitting here, like, all willing to go do things I would not normally be willing to go do. Like, Montreal had, like, five or six straight months of curfew. Like, oh, straight wow. up, don't leave your house after 8 p.m. for a while, then 9.30. So, oh, like, for okay. months, it's like the grocery store wasn't open till 10 and 11 no more. And that shit changes your fucking life for a minute. And it was really weird. But then all of a sudden... Um, it opened up and we're just all in the park. Like, and I'm like, you know what? I don't drink, but I'm going to take a sip tonight. You know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. He's I, like, man. And it's like, those are the fucking moments you end up having. Cause you've just fucking been pent up for like a year and a half of just this, like from dude, the amount of time I've spent in this room. I love it though. Conversations like this are a huge part of, I guess, everything now. Cause as much as like you said before, like, you don't get the full live energy, etc., etc. What I've learned about a ten-person Zoom call with rappers rapping, you get an eighty percent good version of the live energy. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like a hundred, but it's not shit. So I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. with it. <laughs> it's kept me alive. But yeah, no. So I, I totally get where you're coming from with the simplification of it. Go, go. So like. 
what happens after uh, that whole period of life with the retail? So you're doing the retail. Oh, you're in the app store. Then you got the crazy tangent about working as a genius. Fair enough. Um, I think. Well, that, so were you I wasn't. A, then, or is you? Were so I wasn't. A, I, I wasn't oh. a genius. I had this weird in between sort of thing where, like, they realized that I had the ability to soften the blow of somebody going from like Android mm -hmm. to an iPhone or or like Windows phone to to an Apple phone. And it, you know, I kind of became this like transitional dude for people that were like melting down. So, you know, I had I sure I was like selling computers, but the heart of my job was just helping people transition. That sounds wild. But it was a lot that was legitimately most of my job was Teaching, to, you know, having uh, having uh, iPhone, iPad, and and some slight music editing, video editing stuff, then selling computers, and that was kind of the I was a specialist, but my I wasn't a specialist. If you saw me on the floor, I wasn't a specialist. No, but you say that, but like, I read the business books where the guys talk about why you did that. And why your job mm. was like that by design so that apple could sell six thousand dollars worth of product to every one of those people across their lifetime minimum right yeah and they did that because they'll remember how ron james was there teaching them how to photo edit and nobody was doing that at the other guy's store and you yeah. probably didn't have to charge no no yeah so they would come in and, and they were like so i learned all this for free i'm like yeah and then they buy ten thousand dollars worth of stuff <laughs> And, Yo. and nobody else okay. was doing that though and that's yeah. how come apple has more cash on hand than countries and yeah. it's, it's, it's really crazy, because man. they invest in that level yo apple's like if i'm not mistaken their like warranty policy for a minute was if the shit got broke we'll just replace it for a year and then it's fuck mm. you why because it was cheaper <laughs> than trying to solve issues right 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 um, yeah man it's yeah go ahead go ahead sir and I was going to say, so yeah, what, what happens after the Apple Ventures? And are you still like podcasting and musicking over this time? Yeah. So um, I meet Steve and John who, um, so S Steve Ritter and I became really close friends in, in Apple. And some of it was just our, our like connection to movies. So we decided we were going to create a podcast and we recorded the first couple out of my mom's basement and called it movie schmovie. And we're now on our 300. I saw that. So, yeah. So we, I mean, you know, it's 300 over 10 years, but it's, you know, we kind of pace them out, but yeah, I've, I've been Wait, podcasting. Hold on. 300 or anything is just yeah. incredible, my guy. Congratulations. It's, it's thank you, man. Um, we are huge fans of cinema and I've learned a lot from them and they've learned a lot from me. And you know, so Steve and I were doing it for about six months and then John came in. Maybe it was a year. Maybe we did it for a year, and then my friend John, who also worked at the Apple store, uh, came in and then we started pretty much the form that we have now for nine nine years at this point probably but 10 years 10 years he's he's been involved as well so yeah i so throughout my my life after that point movie movie was always a part of it so 
no matter where I was in my life financially, I always came back to the podcast. We we always did it. I always tried to find movies to watch. And so I did movies. I did movie movie, and then I started doing stand up around the same time that I started movie right. movie. Before we talk about stand up, can you just give sure. us like a a little synopsis of why we should all fuck with the movie movie? Yeah, man, movie movie is probably one of the more honest podcasts that is three people who couldn't be more different just talking and uh, you know that is to me is the world it means the world to me that three guys that just are in three different places in our lives can talk about movies how we connect how we how we deal with life is is you know movies so yeah movie movie is 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 one of the better things you're going to listen to love it <laughs> i know it's in that like link tree thing i know it's not link tree yeah. but link tree thing you use yeah 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 have, like, link, link tree adjacent yeah so that's been popping around the interview chat for a minute, every like 20 minutes or so it'll also be linked below so everything you do is linked below so that the people can see it because you made it all convenient in a single link yeah yeah so fucking great yeah man links yeah, can i get links the sky flowers one more time He's the only person because yo, I know all these link trees are so fucking easy to update on the fly. He's the mm. only person I've seen that has used it to promote both his content and his upcoming events. And he put my shit in his fucking link. And I was like, that's I, nobody does that shit. So that's so cool. Yeah, man. It was, it's, it's a big deal. I saw the Tizzy interview. I really enjoyed it. So I was like, man, let me let me get my shit together. Let me get a couple people to check it out. And even if they aren't watching it live, they'll probably check it out later, which is really cool. Honestly, there's 10 people here, which is pretty fucking incredible at this time. And it's gone as low as seven. And so I hit 11, but it's been like in this hoverance of people, which well, hello. chat keeps going. So it's like, to me, it's a blessed one. I mean, even if nobody else watches, for me, the conversations are still like, they're so valuable and then they're all documented and they help me answer this one very big question how do you know talk to all these people <laughs> bro go watch my shit then come back yeah, man. and it's uh it's super helpful to have that in your bag a little bit hell um, yeah man support but nah, so um, I really like, I just appreciate that thing. So you have your podcast and then you start to get into comedy. And I know that yeah. you're still doing comedy because yeah. I saw Ronald James's booked on your Instagram, which is very like recent picture. It was the second one on the top row. Um, right, right. So how, how did your comedy career start? How does that like become a thing? So Tizzy and ours, uh cousin Valance, Valance Michael, I had been doing stand up for about a year around that time. And he kept so he he's like so Tizzy and, and Valance are two of my favorite people in the world that happen to be my my sibling. Uh, my siblings, my my cousins. And um when I was a kid, you know, uh, Tizzy and I are a couple years apart. Um, I think five years apart six years apart and uh valence and i are two years apart so we spent a great deal of our childhood together like his aunt took care of me as a kid and um we laughed together a ton and he decided after we took an improv class together 
that he was going to take up stand-up. So he was doing it. I watched him bomb. I watched him like make a whole room of people cheer. And I was just in awe. I was, I would just come support him. Then one day he was like, Ronald, you have to come do stand-up. Like you're fairly funny dude. Like you can make people laugh. <laughs> you're all right at best at making people laugh. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I got scared and to, to make myself feel better, I I signed up for a open mic and I invited 50 people to a small bar in downtown Baltimore and 70 came. So I had never told jokes on stage ever. And I had a five minute set that was, I have it on tape. I have it. Uh, I have a video of it. It was. It was okay, man. It was okay. It was okay, and I was so proud. But the but the host started the set with like basically like. I put it on my I put it on my Instagram, but he essentially said like, "This is the best that you'll ever feel in your life, and you'll be trying to chase that high for the rest of your life, ladies and gentlemen, Ronald James." And I had to do my set after that, knowing that this was the highest high that I was going to, he was fucking wrong, but <laughs> it was a real crazy thing to tell a person before they do their first set. Holy and I did fairly shit. well. I made people laugh, which, which created this bug. I like kept doing it. So that's true though. I honestly can't remember my first performance because I was so nervous. I ran out after and almost threw up. So I've had many Man. better performances after that. I loved way more. It's fucking it. It it like that ne level of nervousness. You can't really replicate. Like it. I always take a shit before I do stand up. Like it's just like my stomach is in knots. Mm. I have to take a shit. Before I can't I do like yo. I can't eat much ahead of time. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, my yeah. stomach's I get basically, like, empty. And then after stage, I'm just fucking starving and I eat the world, which is not a great Damn. habit. But, like, yo, because if I get all, like, bloated and shit, I get lazy. And so, like, I have to, like, be careful and not, if I'm going to eat, it's got to be super light shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I'm in my 30s now, right? Like, I got to be cognizant. I can't be getting bloated. That's it hits you different, man. It's not, but it's also like you know in your heart and soul. Now you gotta lie about why yeah. the fuck your performance was trash, because you can't be like, I was bloated because I ate some fucking garlic potatoes that I shouldn't have. <laughs> like you can't say that shit. No. The cool, the cool part is like, <laughs> the cool part is like, in stand up I could, I can, mm. and I have. I have done it before. That's I have fair. been like, yo, I just took a massive shit. You're gonna have to like excuse. That's fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just. I mean, I respect that, but I mean, like with the, I don't think I can get away with it with music. They're like, bro, you know, this is a physical performance, and you just, Damn. you know, like, well, because I mean, I could like just suck, but like at the end of the day, I've done performances where I can't move right. Right. Because the X Y Z reason, size, food, intoxication, yo. Honestly, your energy is what the crowd is feeding off of, entirely. Yeah. So like, if you're not able to, I remember when I used to do certain album reviews, people would like make this commentary where like, 
if you can't sound excited about the shit you're talking about, why should anybody be excited about you? To which, fair Bro. enough. The counter is, I didn't always feel excited about the stuff I was talking about. Uh, but the other part of it is, they're right. Like, if you want people to give a shit, that's why I pivoted heavy to people. It is so easy for me to be interested in people. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So I don't have to, if my preferences aren't there. I'm just curious. You're like, you do shit in your life. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a. I it's, so my my idea is like you shouldn't do anything you're not slightly passionate about. You know, like you shouldn't touch anything that you aren't passionate about. I mean, besides work, obviously you got to work to pay bills, but like outside of that, you should have things that you're very passionate about that you could speak highly about in at at, at the drop of a dime. If somebody asks me right now how I feel about anything that I'm doing, I could probably give you a decent answer. I won't always be as high energy <laughs> as I am. <laughs> like, I might be like, shit, shit. I, I might say shit a lot. I don't know why I would say shit, 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 shit. Uh, but I will say that I do try to keep a level of enthusiasm about the things I do. That's what keeps me going. Mm. It's important. But then sometimes you book a lot. Okay, when you start and you book a lot of things too quickly and you're... I used to do Ooh. shit like 13 videos in 14 days just to like... Because, yo, I came, into, I came into YouTube right when they started talking about how posting every day is the move. And I'm making yeah. these like 90-minute videos every day practically. That's exhausting, man. It's definitely hard to remain as enthusiastic... But once I got through it, oh my god, I can do this almost every day now. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's like dope. a fucking superpower. But I'm not gonna say that anything I produced in 2017 is like high quality content for the same reasons you would watch <laughs> anything I do today, and that it just gets better over time as it comes along. But even my yeah. like early interviews are probably pretty fucking trash. I had people be like, "Bro, you're a rapper talking to rappers. Where's your fucking personality?" And I'm oh, like. Man. Mm, you're making very valid points. These are strong <laughs> personalities I am dealing with, and I must adapt and create this more powerful force, or rappers won't play ball. Right, right. Fair enough. And it worked. That's, but, like, it was that's all. That's nuts, man. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty nuts. Like, I, it, 20, and especially talking as frequently as you have to talk. I, you know, I just thought about something. Another way that I learned how to talk to myself was I did traffic and weather. For XM for a couple of years. No and shit. That, That's so cool. Yeah. So I was like that voice where you're like, make a make a right. Uh like avoid this uh on you know Sepulveda. It was this Sepulveda? The Sepulveda? No. See, they used to kill me, man. They used to kill me for the LA pronunciations. They would call me like, you know, that used to be what made me want to quit doing traffic and weather. I, I would mispronounce a name in California. And a truck driver would be like, you must not be from L.A. Fuck you. You're mispronouncing all the streets and the highways. So I was like, I'm just learning, man. Like, they would call in. That was a thing. Like, you could call in. I was, and I would say things like, um, there was an accident uh, with a motorcyclist versus a car. And guess who won? I would say that on the air. And that they would call and tell me that they thought that was funny, which wasn't. Now that I think about it, not super funny to say on air. 
but you talk to yourself, man. You're in a booth for for eight hours straight overnight. I mean, like, you just kind of learn the vibe of it. Like, yeah, it's I mean, I learned a lot doing uh, tutorial videos and webinar training. Like, you know what it's like to practice for a 40 minute webinar presentation? It's exactly like doing a high school presentation that you would do for 40 minutes. That's exactly what it is. But when you're doing the script part and you spit in that shit, you might spend and this is day job shit. I might spend sometimes four hours in a room just talking and i'm Mm. getting paid right just to talk to like fucking and click over here now and then right click and then i want you to choose that option over there and when and just that bullshit for like hours and hours and hours of just talking and then i would go do videos after work and like so just like in i don't know i'm super shit in person though Put me in a room with like five people and watch how I shut the fuck up or I dominate the conversation and there's not a lot of middle ground. Uh, I have some advice for you. Don't let anybody dim your light, King. I'm not Don't let anybody dim your light. I'm not even worried a little bit, my dude. But sometimes it's really good to watch. And it's really good to just watch what other people I got do. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Like, I don't have I, to I always talk. Yeah, I hear that. It, it, was, uh, it was a big process. I had to watch myself on camera to see how little I listened in 2017 because I used to do it with people more oh. frequently. And then it really was just like everything everyone ever complained about me in my whole life was in my face. And I'm editing Damn. it. Over so you'd over. be like, somebody would be like, and that's the day my cat died. And you'd be like, anyway, so when's your album coming out? Because I'm it looking forward like, to that. It wasn't like so interviews wasn't... back then, but it would be like the equivalent of that bullshit on this album review but with regard to my co-host opinions or i'd yeah. be like kind of like you're fucking wrong i'm right and all sorts of bullshit like that and then you watch yourself do that for years and you're kind of like yo maybe i'm an asshole i gotta work yeah. on this delivery shit and then you work on the delivery shit if you're like try i guess and uh now it's just simpler it's simpler to be like nah ron james is fucking an interesting dude when he speaks i should shut the fuck up <laughs> thanks man that's 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 a really nice thing for you to say but that's you are cool. like off off the jump you were interesting with it you just casually threw in bullets talked about social politics made sure it started off the jump with a fucking bang and i really appreciated that and then you just kept it running and running with fucking interesting Thanks, man. So, thanks for not. Thanks for not holding out. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna keep saying it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not fine, a man. much of a. Okay. No, listen, man. People do it a lot. People like I got. I now have the whole diverse because I'm trying to learn how to roll into things better. Okay. <laughs> it's the whole diverse. We called an album Holdies because we had oldies and somebody said Holdies and I'm like, nope, that's the kind of shit that would no I'm gonna I'm gonna roll into it more, so <laughs> it's just not my favorite, but if everyone else loves it, that's like come on, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Nah, I mean life is I'm not a simple person, so it's really, I know a lot of people in art aren't simple people, and a lot of us have a lot more in common than a lot of us want to admit. Yeah. So the more we can talk about stuff like whatever complications, it kind of creates a level of okayness about it all. Because, yeah. you know, them 20-year-olds is mad comfortable talking about this shit. We all got to learn how to catch up is more my thoughts on it. 
Yeah. But uh, as long as they don't have the YouTube voice, you know, you know what I'm talking about? The hi guys, like and subscribe. <laughs> You're gonna want to hear this. The tips it. that voice that I can't mm, do that voice. I can do I the can. customer service version where it's you like hold on. Um thanks so much for watching. Make sure you like the video, subscribe, and leave a comment down below. Thanks so yeah. much for watching, everyone. Please have yourselves a wonderful day. I had to Holden. learn how to do that shit. Like Holden. Holden. Subscribe. Subscribe. You fucking, you convinced me. But it was for work. I, 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 I want to listen to this guy's content. I had to make 208 videos in 208 weeks for how to use oh, a PDF wow. editor. Jesus. It was one of the greatest I, accomplishments of my life, but it's related to work, so it's not like cool. Right. To, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's not what I want to be known for here. I get that. <laughs> I've uh voiceover work is hard, man. It's like take after take after take. It's just it's, yeah. yeah. You have to it's learn hard. voices. Like you actually have to yeah. learn your voice and learn you have to base it's like creating presets like when you're when you're doing the mixing on your beats. But you have yeah. to kind of learn how to create your own vocal presets. Like this is not my natural voice. Nobody mm. likes my natural voice, but if you ever want to see my natural voice, come to the part of the stream before I go on cam with people and i'm like talking like this like yo what's up everybody and i'm basically in the most low energy like i probably shouldn't be on cam but fuck it if people talk to me i talk back i sound like ass but then it's like the show starts and now i know this is like mm, i gotta be cognizant of mic placement and all that bullshit. i don't know it's just kind of what it I is but yeah uh, i think we all have like a a perceived like that's wild, man. It's wild to think about. I guess you think about us as like uh, just people in the world, survivors trying to like back in the day when there was no society and we were just kind of survive. We would have a, a tone that we would try to use to, to let people know that you were coming in peace. You know, it's like a, a, a octave that we choose mm. uh, that we've done that we figured out through testing that's a good octave to use when you want to try to appear safe to people or, or like, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm not trying to be hostile. This is my body language. Like exposing yourself is like, yes, like, you know, like yes. my chest is open. If you want, yeah. you know, like I'm not, you know, it's, you know, I love thinking about this shit. It's really important. I mean, like, I mean, not to get super specific, but like as a black dude in a place where people get shot all the time, you do kind of, start presenting yourself in a way that feels not as threatening or 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 like you may not be a threat but they think you're a threat so you have to present yourself in whatever way you think is safer for them which is a very strange concept and a thing that i feel like black people deal with all over the world that's not really talked about quite as as openly because nobody can really tell you racism is a thing except for the people that are oppressed in that area like i would never go to like a skinny person and be like yo how how are the crab cakes i want to go to the person that cannot breathe and is like slumped over their seat and i'm like yo how do the crab cakes okay how do the crab cakes taste here i want that person's opinion i want the person that's that has diabetes to tell me how the food is does that sound weird i feel like i feel like i'm getting too i feel like 
I get exactly what you're coming from. Um, Montreal has a strong culture of talking about it. I don't know how effective mm. it is, but over the 2020, it was really interesting to see white people check white people for the first time on mm. Facebook. So that shit happened. I, it's, again, Montreal, I can't speak for other places, and Canada is not the same, but I think there's a progression where more and more conversations where people do bring it up happen. Like, fuck it. Anybody can talk about that on my show. I'm, like, really mm. all about leveraging my platform to bring up voices as much as I could. I mean, mm. my experiences are not that. Um, I did go to a protest and watch the police kind of engineer some shit that looked funny for photo ops and then looked like it could go real foul, like, not long after. So that was an interesting experience. But, like, the fuck can I really talk about it? Except that it's real. And uh, there's a memorial for a kid that got shot by the cops about 1.5 kilometers from my apartment, and I bike past it a lot. So I think about this topic a lot. Jesus, man. I'm sorry to hear that. That sucks. Kind of a real thing. I only bring it up so that people know it's Montreal, too. Because I don't yeah, think yeah. people like to accept that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, nah, I mean, I never thought about the idea of how much you'd have to focus on body language over that. It yeah. wasn't a consideration, and you're right. It should be talked about. And even the impact of how it's going to... So this kind of like taps into that. They're taking the manliness away from black males conversation that might really be like, yo, they're saying that the only way to exist in this world is to be a non-threatening figure. Yeah. I mean, to some people, yeah, that that's the only way that it exists. And, so, and you know, it's even weirder. Sometimes the threat can be a little more nuanced. Like I, my, my wife and I have this experience with traveling abroad where like, when you're in a space with uh, other white, with, with white people, they tend to try to figure out why you're in the same place at the same time. It, it doesn't make any sense to them. So sometimes you'll be sitting in a place where like, you're paying the same thing they're paying because there's no way that they're paying more and you're paying less. It's like, that's the way it works. We're in a place where everything costs the same, right? And somebody will try to play like 21 questions with you. Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Like, what are you, what are you guys, what are you guys doing here? What brings you here? Which is a fine question, right? But then when people try to get into what you do for a living, it's like I need to know what steps this person took to end up in the same place that I am. It's a really weird thing. It happens a ton of ton of times with us, and it's very much like a it's it's a control. It's a form of control because you have to figure out how we're in the same place at the same time which but it is all the subtext of it like when you start asking why do you have to know that is because yeah. like, you're going to feel the way if it's one path and you're going to feel a different way if it's another path and there's right and wrong options and yeah so i went to a really black high school and then i discovered what middle class white people were like were like at work that's the group like i don't mean it like like in whatever but it's just my experiences and yeah, yeah. i like heard a lot of things like in that vein of shit so it doesn't surprise me at all that you're saying that but i've never heard anybody talk about that before like that exactly like that's an experience i've personally never heard it's super strange man like you just so yeah thank you i guess no no problem man like i that's a lot of like stand up for me became a release for stuff like that like i had this joke where i talked about like a woman like 
walking across the street when she saw me or something like that. This is when I first started doing stand up. And I was like, I have a pair of salvage, a Japanese salvage denim on and a pair of Jordans that cost more than her purse. So I don't understand why she switched. If anything, I should be afraid of her anyway. That was the joke, but that was, it was unpolished and shitty, but really was based on a, 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 a situation that happened where I was like on the street and you realize that like people can't differentiate. This is how racist people are. They can't differentiate danger in the form that danger really comes in. And this lady kind of reacted poorly to me being near her. And that could be any number of things. Sure. She could have had some trauma that happened to her before or my first choice, ding, ding, racism. That normally is what it is, man. Like people compartmentalize their ideas and and take it out on you sometimes in public. So it, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. That's a, I mean, I went and started reading about the history of mm -hmm. like racism after the George Floyd incident. My girlfriend bought a lot of books basically mm -hmm. centered around I don't know, that's the best way to put it. Racism as a topic across history through a lot of angles from prison system shit to like slavery shit to like a lot of 1930s like kids talking about growing up in that like, like there was a 14 year old girl story that we read. I don't remember the name of the book. Maybe it's Black Girl Lost. Um, and she's like 14 at the same time as Emmett Till is 14 when that shit goes down and she's in the, like a, a town over type shit right. and you're like reading about it and you're realizing that they're dropping stats like 5% of people are in the clan on record and at the time you run some stats on America and realize how many it's like or they ran numbers I worked it out to 5% of Americans were on record on the clan and you're like Yo, that's not like a small number of Americans. It's not and a shit. small. Number. And you're realizing this is like our grandparents' age. Yeah. Right? And like that, like kind of connected. And, and so, I mean, when I look at it, it's like, yo, but that means that the lawmakers, the politicians, the media, because that's who these people were. They were a political party, right? Like they yeah. fucking took over some shit for like a long era in a huge yeah. part of the world. So yeah, this wasn't like these... Avengers Endgame. This wasn't like when Thanos died, like he, there wasn't a finger snap and then all the bad people disappeared. They just, they were shamed into hiding. You know, like racism is, is enforced in, the, in, in very nuanced ways. But the version of racism that I said is magnifique, the, the version that was very like outright and shitty, which it still is. But as you know, when you could just talk crazy on the TV, right? That version of racism changed forms, right? And then these people got into the law and started affecting things in weird ways. Like, you know, redlining and things like that. Oh, that is a serious... Can, can you just... I know that not everybody knows what redlining is, so you should break sure. down redlining right quick. So redlining is basically the, the a way that's used to weaponize you know, groups of people being in areas where like, okay, so I'll give you an example. Um, if you're in a, in a school district, right? That's primarily white at one point. And then that dynamic changes over the years, right? So like maybe, you know, because of this large Ghanaian population, this area has more black people. Over the 10 years that since there was, it was a ton of white people, the whole district 
the school district will change to serve a situation where all the black people will be put together and all the white people will be put together. And then housing does that too, where like people get priced out of things. It is, it is the intentional process of separating people through sometimes literal lines. Yo, I mean, it's, it, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. It is like a heavily documented thing that came up in like four or five of those books. And it's just one of those things that like, you know, they like heavily studied it in Chicago's housing market, like in like a lot of, ex and it's like policymakers would go out of their way to just allow it to basically keep black people in one neighborhood and white people in other neighborhoods and then yeah. manipulate property sales and laws surrounding that in such a way where the laws of eviction and everything were manipulated to support certain things where then they were illegally allowed to ban black people from certain neighborhoods so yeah. they would you would not be if you were black and you wanted to buy a home you could only buy it in one of these neighborhoods and if you, you couldn't go to the white only neighborhood and yeah. so like it was a lot of real shit like that was done by like city official policies less than 100 years ago so when you it's think crazy, about man. like the actions that get ingrained from my mom taught me this and my grandma was always like that kind of behaviors where in my experience dating a woman half of everything is from her mom and her grandmother yeah if you really listen to her and that's every guy and every guy i've talked to is co-signed this so i'm assuming it's pretty universal there's a lot of hand-me-down traditional shits so if people are unaware of how much of the hand-me-down traditional norm shits are ingratiated with hidden racism then how much do we really know has been stamped out or even checked out or documented is kind of like what i'm left with yeah and then language like you know people are attacked for the language like you know if you if you have slang if you have things like that so the best thing that ever happened to me in my whole entire life was when i was in college when i was getting at the green radio was my my teacher gave us this assignment to transcribe um a couple of like people of all sorts like your grandmother somebody on tv then like an interview that you saw like four or five different places that had nothing to do with each other and he didn't say transcribe just the good things like everything the uhs the ums and all that stuff right so i transcribed it and he was like what's the what is the commonality between all these things and i was like i don't know like a lot of ums and uhs he's like no all of the english is broken but one is perceived as better people speak in broken english all the time and in backwards and, and, and weird Woo. stuff there's That's a perception big. that black broken speech is different than white spoken broken speech and this is like educators who speak with broken english that's that's the that's that's the weird thing about racism it's nuanced and weird and and people who have a higher social standing in society in in this whatever situation you're in their speech is regarded as more valuable than others so like if if you're putting it against sure yeah if you're putting it against another form of broken english that they want you to learn sure yes is it you know i do speak with broken english sometimes or my friends or family or people shit, that i grew dude, up with you here. speak with such a high level of articulation that i but feel you know like what i'm saying man like garbage <laughs> 
But all I'm saying is like, you know, people I grew up with, you know, I'm from Baltimore. I grew up with a lot of people that aren't doing as well as I'm doing. And, you know, the idea that their progress was stifled by a system that didn't believe in them. It's just, you know, I got lucky. I got super lucky. Honestly, though, like nothing you're saying is not is like unfactual. In my experience, I've learned that I'm unable to communicate the same way I do on these podcasts um, and this whole environment as when I'm at work. If I were to even come with this accent, I could jeopardize the level of perceived professionalism in the eyes of a lot of my elderly colleagues. I don't know how to fully articulate it. But oh, I get what you're saying, man. Um, yo, you can't be dropping no yo's up in up in the <laughs> workplace. You can't be saying it like this. You, and I do. When I get mad excited about topics and shit, I'd be all like fucking talking like this because the rapper mode kicks in. And now I'm spitting fucking whatever, whatever on Deborah's story from last Thursday. And it's not, or I'll drop a presentation like this because people fucking go ham when you do like a PowerPoint, but you spit it a little bit. You add a little flavor mm-hmm. on it. And then I found out that big money wants the most boring shit in the world. Yes. And it's like, yo, so no style, no substance, no flavor, pure facts, pure numbers, pure emotionless shit. And it's like, I had to learn a lot about transitioning into talking to the executive world. And it's like a language yeah. that, yo, you don't even learn it in university. They keep the language from you. And unless you speak the right language, you're not allowed to talk to the right people. Damn, man. It's a real That's so shit, true. Man. That's real. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate that, like, class is, you know, it plays such a big part in your progression or perception of mm. class, you know? That's it's, it's a painful thing that it's a lesson you learn. And that's why I don't hide who I am and where I come from. You know, I may sound a certain way, but I come from, you know, if I take you where I grew up, like it's, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's not anything that I can hide. So you, 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 you stay in your truth as frequently Ooh. as possible. And then you learn to code switch like a motherfucker. And you learn to code switch like a motherfucker. Cause if you don't learn to code switch, <laughs> it's just harder. It's just way fucking It's harder. harder. It's harder. Like yeah, I can, yeah. I could do the whole thing without saying fuck. I choose not to on my shit because I want to be comfortable if I'm going to be live on the internet for excessive periods of time. But, like, you yeah. got to be able to do the clean version and all the other shit. Or, like, I yeah. feel like it's less professional. But, I, like, I don't know. It's almost like it was forced upon me to learn these skills rather than it was any true desire, which is part of why I fucking am so attracted to this live, unabridged format and editing in a lot of ways bothers me because it's like bro my whole life is edited i just want to be authentic with this shit you know like and i'm not against it look i understand that not everybody might want to have a conversation about shit like rim jobs because i feel like rim jobs is an interesting topic while people are eating soup and i had to learn that okay like i get it not everybody's (laughs) mind operates like my mind Okay, yeah. like, and I was like 26 and shit back in the day when I started in this adventure with this tier of people. <clears throat> so it's cool. I'm an artist. I should keep that for the artist peeps who are okay with that kind of shit and just kind of segregate yeah. life into appropriate. But like, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> not for real though. Um, 
so what happens with cash to fade because i mean it has to be around that point where y'all start doing the cash the fade also you, i think you had another show you started or no you said you did a comic we talked about the yeah yeah okay thing. so yeah so i comedy um i started a creative podcast with my friend dante called branded b-r-n-d-d -D. we've talked fire. to yeah so we've talked to friends and like uh people that i, I never thought i'd ever speak to about the creative process because i think it's really important that we demystify creativity because you know as much as we have the technology to create things there is a real blind spot for like you know the the learning curve and all that stuff and how people get things going um and oh i forgot to mention all the while i actually had a small clothing line called status apparatus that i had been doing what? throughout yeah so like when i was fashion designer too when I was 20, I started doing status apparatus. And then I started this like bootleg tea thing called T-Jam Goods that I, I did during quarantine. Man, it sounds like I'm just piling on shit, but the way that my brain wow, this works. Is, this, is, this is the part of the interview where obviously we have to do a part two to like fully flesh out the second half of your life. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, no, so... no, I'm sorry. This is just testament to you being one. I'm not even trying to rush you. I'm saying, don't you worry. Pile on. We'll expand. Whatever doesn't get talked about, there's the future. Yeah. So what was the what was the question? Let me get back to the question. I feel like I was just piling on. No, bad. now I want to talk about this clothing line shit because you said it's in conundrum to all the other shit. So it's yeah. like, okay, now we got to pause and run that back. And you got to yeah, walk yeah. us through this clothing line adventure. So when I was a kid, so when I was younger, I loved, I loved that I could earn money to buy clothes. Because when I was a kid, my mom wouldn't buy me Jordan. She wouldn't buy me like all the fancy stuff. So when I could work, I got my own stuff. But I noticed that when I went to the mall, I would, I would always wind up having a shirt that somebody else had, which really bothered me. It did like if I went to the downtown locker room and got a T-shirt that cost thirty-five dollars and I wore it out. Why the fuck does somebody have the same thing on that I have? So, you know, I kind of voice, I know that sounds weird, but I kind of no, voice this it, to it a friend. It doesn't because I talked to a guy in New York who's all about style and literally mm -hmm. that's how he lives his life is by this mantra of fashion. But yeah, so yeah. it makes a lot of sense to me what you're saying. I'm I'm not against, I'm not against that, but like it, I'm talking about like, I'd see five people with the same shirt on, right? So then somebody introduced me to streetwear and boutiques and things like that. So like I would travel all over the place to find these places that the, the shirts cost the same as they did in downtown locker room, but they were distributed a little, a little less. They had, you know, they were also in sneaker shops, you know? So like I, I was in the sneakers because I couldn't afford them when I was a kid, you know, when I was growing up, my mom didn't just didn't get them for me. And then when I worked, I could buy them. And then I wanted to get rarer things. So I got into sneaker culture and then I got into streetwear. And I noticed that things didn't have to cost a ton. And I was like, man, I should make my own t-shirts. So I designed with a friend, a couple of t-shirts and I started selling them. I'm actually wearing one of my first designs that right, went like- You have to like stand up and show us that proper. <laughs> All right, so it's a, uh, we believe in living under this says the baltimore sun yo that's fire so Man. this is like so, so this is a 
the believe thing is from a Baltimore campaign from back in the day. And the Baltimore Sun is actually a Baltimore Sun paper. And they actually tried to sue me for the usage of the t-shirt, for the usage of the logo on the t-shirt. And that's kind of what got me into designing. So I, my friend, I started Status Apparatus with my friend. He was petrified of the idea of me putting the logo on the t-shirt. And I was like, if, if the Baltimore Sun contacts us, that means we're doing it right. That, that was my idea. So we put the t-shirt out and it did really well. Sold like shit. Like anytime I put it into a store, this t-shirt sold like crazy. So I'm selling t-shirts and I get a, I get a, I get a phone call from a guy from the Baltimore sun. And I'm like petrified, man. I'm like terrified. Cause I'm like, I, I was talking all that shit to my friend. Like if they catch us, they catch us. I'm like trying to be t-shirt, <laughs> t-shirt Tupac, you know, I'm trying to be t-shirt Tupac spitting it, you know, <laughs> spitting out the window. And the Baltimore sun is like, we, we have a cease and desist that we get what to give you for the usage of the Baltimore Sun logo on your t-shirt. So I'm like, they asked me how many I've sold and I tell them how many I've sold. And they're like, we want to come up with a number to pay us for the usage of the logo. And they come back to me like a week later and it's like a small amount of money. And I'm like, I could pay for that. I could pay for it. They were like, we like the message. It's positive but you can't sell anymore. And if you do, you got to come back to us. So I sold those t-shirts and then I stopped selling that design. And then I just kept selling t-shirts I stopped a little bit. And then it kept starting up and it's, it's kind of been going back and forth. Can we, can we just tap into one amazing thing you do with your t-shirt design is you tapped into the lore of your community. Mm. Yo, I'm really fascinated by lore. I'm like trying to identify what the fuck Montreal lore is. Not Montreal with the French side and not Quebec. The Quebec. Right. I don't know what the fuck Montreal, the English side's lore is. So I'm like super fascinated by how you're able to tap into these elements. And by doing so, you're able to move the product because the community yeah. just wanted that regardless of who you were. So normally, so think about it like this. Like think about the things that make people happy. One of them is like, iconology like you know like logos and stuff like that so think about like old restaurants that used to exist think about like like city slogans that used to exist like campaigns you do stuff like that and you connect in a different way to people so you know i figured that out through that that experiment that like you know that thing that sort of thing works i actually have let me let me show you another thing get it All right. So I am, um, it's another thing. So I designed, so one of my favorite teams is the Baltimore, I mean, the, the Baltimore Bullets, but I really like the Washington Bullets who became the Washington Wizards. And the Baltimore Bullets had this like logo that I used on status apparatus, which is like the like mm. upside down, grab your hands. But the, like the regular one was like this. It was like up this way. Right, right. But I flipped it and it sold that sold really well. So you, you you do things that remind people of things that they've known and it sells. It tends to tends to sell. You connect to people with people through stuff like that. I'm a I'm a I'm a I have a slight obsession with materials. I've got I I got that made from scratch. 
in a factory overseas. I have a, I have a obsession with clothes, but like, I, you know, streetwear is my thing, but like, I would love to make like different shit, but that's, you know. So you were in the middle of everything else you were doing, pushing the yes. streetwear the whole time. The whole how time in between that. And how are you doing it? How do you, is it like locally you, you reach out to people like in the store? Like... That's a good question. So holding, I, like I said, I, it's a utility thing, right? So the, the, the key to figuring out how things work are talking to the people that buy things. So I got cool with the buyers at a shop in Frederick, Maryland. Um, and then I got cool with a shop owner in Baltimore and I would come with designs and say, yo, what's selling right now? And, and here's some designs. What would make this something you would put in the shop? And this dude would, would just point at stuff and be like, look, this needs drop shadow. This text needs to be thicker. This needs to go here. And I would make those t-shirts and bring them back to him. I would have designs. So like, I, it didn't feel like I was losing my designs. He would just tell me things to, to make them better. Mm. And I would, I would print out just those shirts that he would suggest, bring them back and they would sell them. So I learned how to make things that could sell through a buyer. So if we bring that back shop. to music land, mm -hmm. you listen to the producer. You're the, you're the rapper who listened to the producer and then his song sold pretty well. Say it again. You're like the rapper who listened to the producer, not the beat yes. maker, the producer producer. Yes. That's exactly what it is. And then that's you exactly listen what it is. to the advice. <clears throat> your song became better. And after your song became better, it performed and you achieved greatness in life. Yeah. But you did that yeah, with yeah. the world of fashion. And you know, that's so fucking cool that you were just. And it was so small, man. Like I was shipped. Like, look, things would, I could, I would ship things overseas and stuff like that, but it, and it, it, you know, I would kind of put it out every, every couple of years and then pull back and, you know, I do it every couple of years. I'll put something out that sells pretty well. And then I'll go into my cave again. And then I started up a t-shirt company during the course of the pandemic, because I was literally not able, I was like, how am I going to supplement all of this gas and electric? Like, how am I going to pay for this? We're at home a lot more. There's a lot more electricity. I need something to do that could kind of pay those bills. So I started a small t-shirt company. That is called, such a hustle. <laughs> yeah. It's called T-Jam. T-Jam Goods. And uh, it's an Etsy store that does, like, a lot of pop culture-based stuff. So I have, you make the designs and then you sell them? Yeah. It's like a... Uh, yeah, it's automated. You know, you you order it on Etsy, sends it to the manufacturer, it gets shipped to the person. Damn, that's pretty fucking solid. Yeah, man. So I've been doing that for six or seven months now. I got about 500 sales so far. So, damn. Yeah, so man. I guess that paid your hydro bill or hydro electric bills. Yeah, they pay my electric bills. <laughs> Which which then helped me get a house, which is fucking crazy to think about. So your clothing company helped you get a house. Yeah, that's pretty fucking great for a COVID hustle. Look, man, you got to make it happen. I know it's a weird thing to say, but like you know, you got to be transparent about that kind of stuff. I don't I don't know if anybody would ever yeah. So like, 
the hustle that became a hustle to, you know, just pay the electric uh, electricity bills, help my wife and I move into a house. It it didn't pay for the whole house, but it helped with the down payment. So you know, you 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 come up with I'm like I said, a ut- I'm a utility person. I think about a thing that I need to do, and then that leg that I got cut off, I I fill the peg. That peg is whatever I want to use the utility for at the time. I know that sounds weird, but like that's no, that's the way that I think about. Weird. None of this sounds weird to me. It might sound weird to other people, but I live my life super similarly. Um, I try. I needed to meet people, so I started doing interviews. Shaboom! And it worked out really well. I happened to be doing an interview format that apparently some people fuck with. It's very, it's nice, it's lovely. I say that because nobody's complained after like my interview with shit from the interviewee perspective. I mean, maybe a one time right. they didn't like it, whatever. But like, people seem to act like, nah, your shit's different. I don't know. You hear somebody go, your shit's different at 50, 60 times. You go, hmm. Yeah. Utilitarian kicks in. <laughs> You're like, maybe there's something here that I'm doing. That other is that the voice you used? <clears throat> is that the ear you're like, maybe this? Like it's in like my a... head. I don't know. It's my like, you know, my Jewish thinking voice. Like when I get into my like, you know, like super like mensch mode. It's what it is. I get what you say. But like sometimes, like yeah, like it's to be like a hundred percent serious. Did I picture my life as this? No. Do I want to be spending like as much time streaming live to the internet as I do when it's beautiful outside and people are like outside in the hot sun and i'm inside in the hot not sun but still hot like nah like it's like it's not like ideal but there's also like a really big need for like english media in montreal it doesn't oh wow exist unless we make it because of language politics that are comparable to all kinds of other discrimination issues but not the same because it's language which is a lot more solvable than other kinds of things but it's like to the point where they're trying to restrict or i don't know they may have done it where like the doctors don't have to give you medical help in english in montreal city of four million people and heavy tourism it's kind of whack no that, that is super whack man anyway nobody's oh talking God. about it because it's like weird that none of us do but like there's a lot of weird shit that goes on with language politics in my city where english people don't have like a sense of self-esteem and ability to accomplish unless they leave here like there's this sense that you have to leave here to succeed so to yeah. like survive and thrive as an anglo media person in the city to me is like one of the most important things and i don't care how the media plays out i don't give a fuck rapping fucking pot whatever it's just important to be english and win here right right wow language politics man that's incredible that's incredible that I did like it's incredible that I'm hearing about it. Not not incredible that it's happening. No, I know, but it's also like it's a, it's, it's a what cool... have we done wrong that you don't know about it? Like I started thinking about that recently. Like I don't want to bring it up all the time because like most people don't really want to talk about Quebec's language politics. Fair enough. But at the same time, like as a scene, as a culture of people, how have we like? done so bad to reflect the fact that maybe like this issue is valid enough to complain about like they're denying that. medical like your mom moms if she has a medical issue may need a translator <laughs> that's fucking crazy to think about for me but she's too old to learn to speak french fluidly to learn medical jargon jesus that's rough man hopefully that that changes <sighs> it's not it's gonna get worse 
way fucking worse. It is, Jeez. dude. They're doing shit like they pass laws again. I don't know if these are passed or in the progress of passing. Where like, so check it right now. If you want to go to school in English in Quebec, your parents had to go to school. Like to go to high school and shit in English. Like I could go. I mean, if I have children, they can go because I went to school in English, right? So everyone else has to go to French school. The French school system that they fully controlled the curriculum in. Then they did some funny shit where post high school now, the English post high school education systems can only accept a small percentage of French students. So if you think about what they're doing is they're taking all the immigrants and forcing them through a French post uh, high school education system. And everybody knows universities are kind of brainwashy these days. So you have this whole like way of taking an entire immigrant force, moving them through an education system and assimilating their children to this oh francophone culture that and this is really happening i'm not being hyperbolic i fucking right, right, wish right. i was but like nobody cares and the other part of it is where's the english media at to tell you about it it doesn't exist here trust when it's an election time we all bust out the google translate because otherwise there's no fucking way all the all the articles are in french do you speak french at all good but not like political pundit good right right <laughs> i mean i'm like what i call functionally bilingual in your part of town i'm fluently bilingual in my part of town they speak really fast and use a lot of slang and i'm not great at that part oh wow so they damn man i, sp like, I don't know like I, I you have to speak french to work properly like i have to like i have to be able to like there's a couple of people that i know at work where if i don't at least start the conversation in french they won't even proceed the whole way down the path with me right like if i start in english it's different um my girlfriend just said that she read an article today it was discussing how the younger generation feels so disconnected from these old generation language laws but the government Damn. just doubles down on it because montreal is like a zone and then there's the rest of Quebec. And when you look at the voting map, it's like apparently New York goes through the same kind of thing where there's New York City and then there's the rest of New York. Yeah. So it's like that kind of shit. Jesus. I mean, so with all of that's, I was going to use another pun, Holden. I'm not going to lie to you. You can pun it up, my guy. It's fucking Okay, here, here, here we go. Let me, let me, let me start it all off. I appreciate you telling me about this stuff. You should try to speak up about it in your music. So that you'll be holding them to a higher standard. Hey. Okay. I like that. I mean, I did All it right. one time right before an election and I felt cool. But then I didn't oh, do it like again. So. Like I Sorry. No worries at all, man. But I didn't do it again because I guess life moves on, blah, blah, blah. You don't really think about it when you're here. Sometimes it's the yeah. kind of thing where you don't really... Because now my whole world's English. It's online. It's interconnected. I can very much avoid these issues that affect other people. Plus... I got good enough at French that it no longer affects me. Shit goes oh, down. Wow. Moi, yeah. je peux parler en français n'importe quand. You know, I can just flip. Just I need to learn French, man. You'll get. I really want to learn. Girls apparently like it a lot, and they like it if you have a shitty French accent with a lot of effort. Oh wow! I'm not okay. talking about like English girls. I'm talking about Quebecois ladies. So if I if I try to double down right now and try to learn it how quickly do you think i could be at least because i've been really trying to i was trying to do it during how the much, pandemic how, many hour, how much effort are you gonna put in if you like put in probably all about an hour a day probably about an hour a day probably doing six months okay like if you really, I really want a learn. focused hour a day in the french 
you're never gonna be like fluid but you'll be good enough to impress people on effort and you'd be able to survive like you'd be able to get away with impressing 80% of the strangers in Montreal and they're not giving you a hard time but there'd still be okay. that 20% where it's not good enough and I, I want to be able to go to Paris and talk to people because oh, the last time I went see, see, it, it, yo, they don't think I speak French they think I speak some dirty French that is completely different. Really? Bro, yo, this language shit is deep. I used to do customer service, right? Like straight up on the phones. And I would answer the phones with my Quebec shit. And it was bad Quebec shit. And the, the Parisian people, especially the Parisian people, are so snooty about like the French that they would act like I wasn't speaking French. Oh, man. And it was like, yo, this is some real shit. Anyway, so when you were talking about your like language divides, I'm like, bro, you have no like, yo, that's my whole life is language. Yeah, man. Like, yo, there's a fact in Quebec that your last name almost guarantees to determine how likely you are to be a CEO. As in, if you have a French last name, you get to be in the club, and if you don't, you just don't. And I, oh man, I have a French last name by accident. <laughs> oh wow. I'm mad English though. I'm never, like, I'm never gonna get <laughs> yeah. high enough in the club. But I will get more. Uh, I will get more callbacks on a CV shit, like all that racism oh, okay. things. Like that's real about like French last names here, and they documented it and they proved it, and then nobody gave a shit. How come every place but the United States says CV? Every place besides the United States. Oh, because curriculum, but we're not afraid of Latin terms, so curriculum batai is not scary. Yeah, and y'all like damn. Latin terms are like, oh no, that's so British, and damn, we gotta be mad different with our no use in our word yeah. like favor. I'm like, why don't you put the U in? It looks less flavorful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I never understood it. Yo, why do you guys use Fahrenheit? That doesn't make sense to me. Fahrenheit's the weirdest shit in the world. The whole rest of the world uses this one thing, and y'all jump yeah. on this next shit. Yeah, I mean, have you been to the United States? I mean, I feel like the standards are just what they are. They, you know, they, they're like, we don't want to be like anybody else. I've been to it's Plattsburgh, strange. New York. Uh, okay. Is that the only place that you've been? I technically was in JFK. I don't know why I'm pointing down like hell. It, it's, it's down for place. me. It is down for me. It's up for everyone else. But just for context, Plattsburgh is basically Canada's shopping mall. That's why it exists. Okay. It's a border town thing it has a couple bars i know that because i we tried to go out at night in plattsburgh um mm. but basically it's got the kmart which is exciting and it, i mean this is like a while ago it's got the kmart it's got the american mcdonald's it's got the american kfc you know what i'm saying like that's the Holy and it's shit. got all the fucking shopping malls bro the first time you walk into a u.s soda pop fucking like soft drink department and you just realize how many Mountain Dews there really are, it's a mind fuck. That's what Plattsburgh's for. <laughs> so I, I drove <laughs> Slim Jims. I drove to Canada once. I drove to Niagara. I actually drove to uh, Toronto. Okay. And I spent the my 25th birthday with my mom and my sister there. I drove from Baltimore all the way up. And... Uh, I haven't been since. I haven't been since. Man, I would. I would. If you come to Montreal, uh, but you know people, is blessed. Maybe Tizzy and I could come visit you. 
It's it's a lot harder to get into Canada now, right? It's, I feel like it's well once they open the border, which come on, give it like three months and we're all vaccinated. The border's still closed. I don't know if it's closed, but like, probably still is though. But basically, like we're at the point where most of us are first dose vaccinated, and we're almost on road to second dose vaccination. And then, are you kidding me? You are gonna watch the most pull your pants down citywide tourism campaign efforts you have ever seen happen in your life imagine what cities are going to try to do to get you to want to come to their city now for the like yes the, yo, the, bro the, the, this is gonna be it like yo, <laughs> yeah. if you can't afford it find a way because now is going to be it the one golden era of you can afford to go there <laughs> it feels like it man like the campaigns are going to be crazy it's going to be like hi i'm the rock and i, <laughs> and I really like and i really like Montreal. <laughs> it's going to be like that man like i feel like it's going to get to a point where like it, it, the desperation to get people in the towns and to spend money Montreal's because people lost so much dying. money. Really? I mean, we've been home with, and especially out in the curfew for like six months. And then they, everybody's work from home, right? So most of our downtown um, office real estate is going to be offices. Let's be real. Damn. Like, that's what the fuck was yeah. happening there. And yo, nobody's going back to work. I mean, you yeah. will sometimes but like come on you're not gonna like how are you gonna get me to give up 20 percent more of my time for you is really the question you're asking everybody because that's travel time it adds an additional 20 percent to my life so now that i've been given that back it's a lot more like i mean like without being like cold or whatever in case any boss watches it but like it's gonna be a little more than like nah i don't think it's worth it for me to go back to the office five days a week on the same salary yeah like, yeah the value it of changes that. things man because man i can do things like oh man my six to like eights are great now six to like right. eight thirty. yo man i became a bit more of a morning person once traffic <laughs> was no longer in the morning yeah. it changes things man you having to deal with traffic is just it it is the great depressor like you would you know about the great depression Riding traffic for an hour and a half back and forth can really play on your your sanity. Especially when like you were supposed to be there at a certain time, and yeah. Then, like some shit like a snowplow appears, and it's like, oh man, it's terrible stuff. I'm not a fan yeah, of it. Man. But now, now, yo, the meeting's at nine thirty. I'm on the Zoom call at nine twenty nine. Right on time. <laughs> you know what I'm like? It's beautiful. Right on this time. Is, yeah. Yo, yeah. even with this interview shit. I was trying to do it in person, and let's be real, nobody wanted to come to my crib. And when they were in my crib, they were a lot more cognizant of time. There is something yeah. about sitting at home in front of a comfortable setting that makes you be like, I mean, come on, it's not like I have to go anywhere. I'm, I'm already home. And then these calls got way longer, and the interviews, like, it gets to a yeah. point where, like, I'm like, nah, none of y'all are smashing that record unless I'm in the mood now. Because, like, bro, <laughs> they pushed it as far as five hours. Yeah. I'm not yeah, doing that on a work night. There's no fucking way. But they've done Jesus. it on a Saturday. But it's like it's pretty incredible to just think about how much this like work from home is. But with that, who the fuck's downtown? Like during the yeah. day, like everything's more expensive. So I guess young people, but you, nobody was really. There's no activities. You're not really allowed to hang out with people. So if nobody's working and nobody's allowed to congregate and the malls are closed what the fuck is downtown it's just yeah. a place that nobody needs to go to anymore damn yeah that's gonna be the big election debate for us because it's an election year it's not like i don't know but 
how much people care about that. But y'all, Montreal should fucking care. It's an election year is all I'm saying. Because it's going to be big. It's going to be like... It's going to set a tone for four years of post-COVID. Damn. That's nuts, man. Yeah. You taught me a lot about Montreal. I, I knew nothing. And then you've, you've educated me. That's real cool. There's a lot of beautiful shit, though. Don't get me wrong. I want you to know that it is. If you're going to come somewhere in Canada, don't even fuck with the next places because Montreal's where it's at. You know okay. that because mad fucked up. <laughs> I would, though. I would. It sounds dope, man. Like, you know, I don't remember much about my trip to Toronto, but I remember the feeling of, like, this is different, you know, and I, I enjoyed it. I remember um, that about Plattsburgh. American like, shit. Yeah, I remember it because your stores were open past 5 p.m. on a Saturday, and that f fucked me up because there's some antiquated lot over here. That, that's a real thing. I was like, stores can be open. Shops close after what? We close at 5 on a Saturday and Sunday. No lie. Most of the stores, unless it's like a pharmacy or whatever. That, you know, I've been to like, that used to be a thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I I could definitely remember that being a thing like in the '90s. Like, it felt like Sunday things were closed, but not Saturday. Five on Saturday? I don't know. We got fucking parishes, dude. Damn. See, so Montreal super Catholic, right? No. Montreal no. What is, is it? Super French. In fact, they're kind oh, of it's like just anti-religion. I don't know. Montreal is to Hong. Okay, Montreal is to Quebec as like Hong Kong might be to like China is a better way okay. to put it. I get and what you And Quebec is like the mainland and it's just all around us. But like, I mean, yeah, it's French Catholic on theory, but then they went like all super separating church and state for a long time. So it's hard to say where the fuck anybody's really at. But let's say Catholicism is the old people and the young people is agnostic. Gotcha. Gotcha. Kind of like the rest Makes of the world me. though. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I mean, not many people give a shit about Montreal, to the truth of it. And maybe I don't do a good enough job advocating it. Usually, I don't I wait till it's been, like, deep into the interview to really start fucking pushing on, you know, like, talking about <laughs> shit. But, like, yeah, no, I mean, I realized recently how little we talk about it in general. Not just, like, mm. you, but, like, me and my peers rap about it, all this shit. So, it's just fascinating. I mean, but then it's, like, we, we think about Baltimore and you literally talked about bullets and i'm like bro french and english versus bullets like you know what i mean like that's in the back of our mind too yeah um i mean it hearing and seeing them can do something to you you know like um i think what was interesting about my childhood and my experience with that sort of stuff is like i always felt safe in the house <laughs> You know, my parents made me feel super safe in the house. You know, it was just the trips to school, the trips back to school, the weekends. You know, you had no control over what was happening around you. So you saw and heard a lot of crazy stuff. So, you know, I thank my parents for keeping me as safe as they could, you know. All right. So with the TV, you have the T-shirt shit going on right now. Mm -hmm. um, are you still back with music? Because I saw Catch the Fade just drop the track. Yeah, so we we took a so during COVID we were putting out uh, a song a week for a couple weeks, and uh, called Catch the Fade Can Rap or Catch the Fade Raps. Uh, that was like the Yo MTV Raps logo sort of thing. Um, 
and you know since then we also put out a song with uh king los um but we haven't put anything out in a while but we're, we're actually starting the process of making new stuff i love working with tizzy you know just uh covid has kind of fried my brain in that department you know i've been creative but the music hasn't been quite as frequent but you know we did do a lot during covid and we're gonna get back in the studio super soon i can't wait cannot fucking wait nah it'll be amazing when people are able to meet up with people in real life like yeah it's gonna be big i think for a lot of people's energies um so yeah what else do you have coming up in the next little bit that people could watch for i know your podcast you had your 300th episode Is that yeah 300th running? episode yeah so we're, we're doing movie schmovie uh that's on youtube we also do a, a spin-off marvel discussion show called marvel schmarvel we're now talking about low-key right now uh which just started you know last week um super excited about the new episode this wednesday um what else is going on I, I i've been doing like zoom comedy but that's i think that's coming to an end and i'm going to try to do some stuff irl which is this comedy how, okay what's the issue with zoom comedy i have a theory it's look no the audience i mean but also like it just doesn't feel the same like there's a there's a flow of energy that's happening when you have people around like, you know, you can hear things, you can see things. Can you see your audience on your Zoom? You can, but it's not... No, but like, the, yeah. is your audience like other comedians and shit? Or is it like an actual audience? Uh, the, So I've done a couple styles. Uh, The one I went to had actual audiences, like audience, per se. Like, a lot of people were on the screen, which was fun. And then they, they would unmute it for laughs, and then mute, it just got kind of messy mm. but the audience man that that give and take that that tug of war that you're having with the audience i really miss I feel you can't that. really replicate that on in zoom quite as well i feel that a lot actually um as much as i talk my shit about zoom being almost good enough i would actually don't any effort to perform my music live to the internet even though i could have been doing like weekly concerts i mean i got busy but actually realized i have to memorize my songs again get to back in that point for like live and whatnot and i'm like yeah no i wasn't that into live music where it's like it's okay and i'm gonna do more of it i got more into writing music live because that felt more like fun but yeah um, that's dope but like the the part where we were ciphering live was blessed because you were looking at a bunch of rappers and if you think about a cypher that's all you were doing anyway you're just fucking right. looking at a bunch of rappers so it was, yeah. it was that was the right energy. Oh, I don't really need to hear you. It's good enough. You know what I'm saying? It's good yeah. enough. You can mute yeah. for that. And it's still fire for me. And so that has been really like amazing. But when I think about it, like to go spit my track at that, nah, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not nice enough. Cause I have that yeah. memory to fall back on. And that's what I want. I want to chase that high. Cause that high is still really good. Yeah, that li- that live, it's nothing like the live audience, man. And, it's uh, nothing like it. And I could deal with low scale. It doesn't have to be fancy. Just give me, like, yeah. just give me an audience audience, not my peers. 
I don't want to do a show to my peers. I know what it is, what it is, but it's like, man, we've yeah, all been yeah. talking. How some of you may have been on the album, kind of thing. Like, nah, we did all. I want to go perform to strangers. I want to see people nah. I don't know that are like, yeah. wow, your shit's good. And I'm like, thank you, sir. Who I'll never speak to again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best, man. Really that's the am. best. Fair enough. So you did Zoom comedy. You're gonna migrate back into real comedy. Um, Yo, mm-hmm. good question, actually. Uh, would you like to collab with Ill Conscious? Ill Conscious? I don't know if I've heard Ill Conscious. Have I heard Ill Conscious before? Sir Tizzy's answer is, I would actually, but it depends. <laughs> from Baltimore. <laughs> He's from Baltimore. Oh, n- n- have I heard Ill Conscious before? I, I don't think I've ever heard Ill Conscious. No oh. offense to Ill Conscious. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. I don't want to. I'm not saying it like the way that rap, two rappers beefing with each other. Oh, oh, like when you ask. Hold on, ask me again if I if I would collaborate with. Ill would you collaborate with again. Ill Conscious? Who? <laughs> Who? Ill Con? Who's that? Like it's not that kind of beef. Like I don't know this person. No, <laughs> I love that. By the way, th- like people talk about people being tough. I think that that's the funniest diss you could ever do to another human being on earth. If if it could be your family, they're like, you know, is Aunt is Aunt is Aunt Geraldine gonna fix the, the, the tuna casserole? Who? Who? I don't believe in her. Fuck her. <laughs> Geraldine? She got bad wigs anyway. That is fucking amazing. Ah, Sir Tizzy's like, you have. I fucking showed you him, but you don't remember, and that's why Sir Tizzy is incredible. Shout out Sir Tizzy, because this wouldn't be happening without Sir Tizzy. Yeah, man, he's my my good friend and collaborator. He's gonna send you Family. some shit later. I just fucks with him because Flacco fucks with him, so Flacco fucks with him. I fuck with him. I mean, it was that yeah. simple to me. And then I interviewed him, and now I'm like, well, I really fuck with fucking Sir Tizzy now because he's just amazing and we're sitting there and he's like fucking he, I think he burst into happy tears at one point and I will really? never forget that yeah like some shit happened and he started crying for a solid minute in happiness and I Damn. don't think I will ever forget that moment cause like I mean like that was impactful on those emotional soft levels and shit this isn't a real word but that's the hardest thing I ever heard of in my life. If you could just send that message to him, you crying in that interview is the hardest thing I ever seen. Tizzy, you like, oh, I love my life so much. <laughs> like I laughed. I mean, I laughed. I was like, <laughs> I laughed at him. I laughed at him. It was what a good of it. I was like. <laughs> I laughed at you. <laughs> I was like, "Who la- who cries? Who has emotions? Who is that? Not my cousin." And I spit on the ground. Yeah, that was amazing, though. That was that was an unforgettable moment. No, that's dope, though. Like he he really does have like a a real. I don't know, man. Like it's it's hard to describe. Like. He's a tough dude. Like, don't don't get me like he's he has a toughness to him, but he's like, like see, now I that's a real. Your ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real like you know a real 
God, I don't want to use this word sweet, but like there's a sweetness to them, man. Like it's like a real, real certizzy. You were kind of sweet for like what three and a half hours straight. Yeah, you kind of sweet. No, no. What I mean is like no, no. It, I mean my like girlfriend this... made comments about how sweet certizzy was after. Oh, he's a good dude. Like you know, there's like this thing that people try to parents try to I don't know try to beat it out you not not physically but like this like imagination and enthusiasm not your parents the world tries to do that to you tries to kind of beat that out of you this like childlike thing that we all want had when we were kids and we connect because we both kind of have that we kind of have like this like optimism that you that you don't really seeing a lot of people because you want to win you want people to win you want people to do well and you know he has a passion about everything he does that's palatable man like it's like a real thing that you you can't help but feel it like you know he'll he'll tell you something you're like for real let's do it right now like what's happening you you know it's just that's a good skill that's a good skill and i you know despite him crying uh hoeing on hoeing on camera just being like i really do value it's amazing that sort of thing i just like it's out there on the internet for anyone who wants to see it you do have to sit through yeah if you if you want to if you want to see my flesh and blood be weak for two minutes straight you watch that interview you watch him break you watch him break you watch that it was so like heartfelt there was a bunch of people there it was a good interview um, Damn, man. Did he shit himself, too? Because I, I feel like that was that. a part of My girlfriend's oh, like, okay. well, I cry all the time for a, mil- a million reasons, so don't feel bad, Tizzy. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I get it. You know, you get to talk about something enough, it'll make you it'll make you cry. But it was just like, you just kept getting wins on the fucking call, and I'm like, man, I mean, that's dope. Yeah. He's good dude, man. Like, he's, he's, he's i think he's hitting his corner like he's he's already always been an incredible lyricist he's hitting his shit where like i don't think that many people can fuck with him like it's like a real thought in my head when i listen to him rap i'm like there's so much skill in the way he put this verse together i don't think that many people can mess with that once once more people hear it You know, it's kind of hard to get your stuff out there. We're, like, pushing our stuff up in the world where, like, there's a million artists doing a million things at the same time. And we don't have a TikTok dance, so, Nah, you know. man. That's all misconceptions. It's all collectives. It's all collectives. Okay. There's no other answer. Right. It's always been collectives. <clears throat> That's just a label. A label is a fancy way of a collective. It's just a better machine. But really, if you look at all those TikTok dances, it's the people who start it. I guarantee you it's a collective. Mm. You really run this shit? Really? So you're saying they're industry plants? No. I'm saying there's seven or eight 14-year-olds with nothing better to do that (laughs) squatted up and replicated the business models of success and engineered it themselves so that they can make bank at 14. But they don't really care about making bank. They just want more followers than the other eight kids down the street. So think of it yeah. more of like a battle-esque perspective of competing for social media club. Damn, man. It's, it's Somebody like, ever say something to you and you just like, I never thought of <laughs> I never thought of it. I never thought about all, the time, all yeah. of that stuff, yeah. Yeah, man. 
it happens to me all the time like when you brought up the vacation thing and racisms and how i might should be real like don't do that on vacation <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> don't, don't do it white. man i mean i don't yeah. do that shit but like it's like i want to be extra cautious of the don't be that white moments um yeah no but yeah so i i do feel it but i think a lot of people misunderstand it but like if you look at it like yo i started this cypher thing and we're trying to like manipulate the situation into a cultural movement like mm. this alternate montreal shit like it's lifestyles right so my lifestyle is appealing to x number of people out there and then you add in the subscription model element and fuck sales retail is pointless unless you make cool shirts but if you were to be able to do your shit on a subscription you just make so much more because you have zero effort in like the ongoing costs of trying to keep trying to acquire those same customers over and over again they're locked in all your efforts are on that efforts put onto new customers so you're basically continually growing but you're keeping and stacking year over year so if you can find a way to subscription model anything you're doing it's more money but then yeah so you you kind of take that version and you bring in the niche lifestyle and you take your squad of people who are all similarly people and let's be real and i talk to you when i talk to exoskeleton when i talk to sir tizzy like there's like this commonality of energy that bonds you guys together so you find the next four or five people you rep a thing you make it bigger than yourself so it's a movement that other people can be a part of and then you make it accessible in some way and then with web traffic comes monetization that's that is in summation i'm not doing enough <laughs> mm. the problem is actually not that we're not doing enough it's that we're not delegating enough things we need help with all right because the Damn. truth is you can't do it all alone and that's where There's the collective no way. comes in and so we 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 all face this thing i find like if we talk about the not made it seen problem it's that Everyone's so busy trying to replicate Russ on these like one man operations, except realizing that frankly, we can't, we're not yeah. them. So it's probably better to get a team like, yo, I couldn't do this alone. There are other people involved that help me maintain the pace. Like the, the reality is if I'm this guy, I also can't do everything else. Right. And as right. time goes on, it's like, I have to actually expand the more you don't see them roles. And that's another thing we fail at support staff nobody thinks about hiring a person to upload your videos no we don't even because budget it, that shit because it feels like it feels like something you could do yourself can't man i'm but, drowning but i might upload some weeks 20 videos 30 videos now i'm doing tiktoks and instagrams and shit. i'm like fucking drowning in posts on a weekly yeah real, dude. that's a lot maybe you should hire somebody or do you have somebody already? I have people helping me with some shit now to a point where it's manageable. Okay. But, yo, who can afford it? Yo, there's no ROI. You can't just hire people and not make anything back on this. That's true, man. Fiverr helped me with a lot of that stuff. Like, for things I couldn't do. Mm. Fiverr. Fiverr, man. My plan is to go hang out in parks and be cool enough to attract young people who have pipe dreams. It's the best. That's that's how it works, man. You connect with people who do not know their value yet. Because <laughs> that's, that's a mistake. Don't make that mistake. They all know their value. They just know you know how to get shit done more efficiently than them and that you know more people and that just be old. Be old that's and acknowledge true. that now being young is the new old. 
Damn. Bars. No, nah, man, I'm just fascinated by it. Like, yo, young people can't execute like I can't execute. I can just go, like, bro, I got an idea and it's alive. But I have shittier ideas than a lot of them. There was a man. There was a man that had an idea. He said, look, I want to make computers that cost a lot of money. <laughs> he had a dream. And his name was Steven. And his his dreams came true. So, like, if his dreams could come true, Yo, why bro, can't mine? They can. But the real truth is they probably can when you can tie it to a cultural lifestyle. That's true, man. Like, you have pop art. Pop, that's what they're called. The little fucking plastic things all over your room. It's signal versus... This, the, how, first, shit. let me clarify. These are my, my wife's... She's a heavy-duty Harry Potter fan. These are all Harry Potters. It's fucking Dumbledore. And my wife is huge into these things. That's fair. I was yeah. like, man, it just signals. These so are not mine. Yeah, these are all hers. Um, fair yeah, I can't stop it, man. Those are amazing. Yeah, she but has like, a ton. So, like, even take that. There's so many other people that are in that universe. So you find those kind of cultural norms, which I think you've been repping Baltimore since time. So be like the older Baltimore guys. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but like. No, I know what you're saying. Like, I'm trying to, I'm like, okay, I'm 33. That means that like young people fuck with me in certain contexts. Dudes, it's yeah. going to be a hard sell. Girls, well, depending on how I present myself, it's not a hard sell. I just have to look like I have my shit together. Um, and then I started realizing I just got to like act like I'm a dad. Like just act like I'm a dad as much as I can. All that dad joke shit, all that dad shit I see everywhere. I'm like, yo, girls eat that shit up. I'm going to go be the most dad, non-dad I can be. You teaching me something new, man. I've been, I've been, I've been out of, I've been out of here for a couple of years on my, my girl. <laughs> I'm so not I even don't, single. I don't I'm just, like I'm like I mean I'm still with her. I just pay attention to the guys so, at work and how the young women treat them. They treat the dads literally when I look at other away. women. When I look at other women, there's like there's I blink. There's like mm. it. Something happened, man. I, I I think I was programmed in my sleep. I don't even any woman that that's that's on the radar to be like a possible. I don't even. She talks like, Yo, dude, I just then, thought it was interesting to watch people at work. You just watch how they flirt at work. And I started noticing that the guys who are like super, I love my wife and kids, got the most attention. Oh, man. Because you want to take it. Because they want to take and it. And they know that you ne they never will. And it's like, okay, bring that to music. Bring that to your community. That's an energy. And there's no way that you're saying I want to remain faithful but attractive and unavailable that's a that's a move damn I swear I thought a lot about that particular element of, I had to convince my girlfriend this was a good idea she's on board just <laughs> dope man look if if your wife supports you yeah she's your girl she hears, she hears everything if your girl word. supports you that's 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 half the battle is getting a good team of people that support you, man. Because that, 
not quick efforts dude it took it took so long to convince her to get to a point where i could be this ludicrous about it on camera oh uh, okay i get that you gotta build it takes it. some getting used to it's like a house right my, my dude put it to me proper if you build the foundation of your house right and then you put up the fucking house mm. shit shouldn't be able to rock the house yeah that's true we're deep enough that the house should be able to withstand a little bit of like I'm like, yo, listen, if, if if somebody wants to go do some free shit over here because she think I'm fine, we should benefit off of this, not be afraid yeah. of it. And it's Very not true, just man. like one-sided. Yo, Bonnie, go do what you got to do, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Represent. <laughs> like, like, there's all respect and boundaries and blah, blah, blah. But like, Yeah, absolutely, man. Man, if I can smile at, at somebody and my life gets better, I'm going to do it. I, I'm, I'm two hundred percent behind this concept. So long as you don't have to, like, you know, I'm not planning eat, it. Eat butt or something like that, you know, just eat butt. You don't I mean, have to do nothing. Honestly, like that. it's like a weird thing, though, right? Like, at a certain point, it's not like I'm. I'm just not young enough to just want to bang anybody that move by, right? Like, I'm a little bit past that in life. That's that's a that's a. That's a real thing, man. Like, you think about like learning new people. Like, have you have you talked to a new person? It's like learning their like intricacies and what they hate and love, and and then you got to be around that person. Nah, bro. I love the the relationship I have. I really do. And you can act like. It doesn't come with baggage. You just smash and pass and whatnot. But so like, much baggage. so many con yo. Not and it's like yo. Then you gotta not worry about shit. Like, is this chick gonna screenshot my dick pic and send it to the whole fucking world? Like, mm -hmm. these are. Mm -hmm. I, I want to be a person in the public and shit. I don't. I'm not private. <laughs> yeah. Ah, it's just not the same. No, it's simpler. And then if my girlfriend consents, whatever she consents to is all that's allowed. That's dope. That's, that's a good rule. That's a good rule, man. That's a good rule. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that you're happy because that makes me happy. Because I mean, good relationships are. Uh, yo, it's all about communication. Yeah, that's so, true. I'm like a project manager, and working between departments is really just about communication, <clears throat> and then managing expectations. So since day one, I managed expectations. This is who the fuck I am. And this is what my life is going to be. Right. And then right. she never left. We're still here. It is what it is. Um, I get that. Um, but yeah, I found out that a lot of people act weird. I've had guys be like flat out, Holden, you can't say this shit. Your girlfriend might find out. And I'm like, bro, you lie to your girlfriend? That's what I hear when guys say shit like that to me. But I realized that like, People are really that uncomfortable about being honest about who they are with their partner, and it's astounding to me. Yeah, man. That's, it's scary. Like, you know, I almost live too in my truth about who I am as a person. And, you know, when I talk about things on stage, it gets, it can get real personal. And, you know, I don't really talk about my relationship with my wife so much. We got married during quarantine, by the way. So like, oh, congratulations! That's, thanks, man. So I went in the quarantine one status and came out married. 
uh, well, in a relationship. I don't know. I said like with us, we were in a relationship, and then I came out married. And I don't know how I'm gonna talk about my relationship now, like at, on stage. Like it's gonna be interesting, or in rhymes. Like I think I'm just gonna be honest. I, right, I, I was just like love songs. Yeah, just you want me to just become ugly LL Cool J? You nah, want me to just talk just about my life? With it. <clears throat> oh, okay. I wrote the weirdest love songs. They're not like I wrote a love song called "Seduce My Girlfriend." It wasn't like what it was intended to be, but when we were listening to it after, she loves it because it's really just like, I want to fuck you, but like you have to seduce my girlfriend and convince her. That's a love song. It's just super left field. Send me that song after we get off this call. It's like not done yet, but done. It's like, oh, uh, okay. No, I can send you a version, but it's not like. Yeah, that. I would love to hear that, man. Yo, I want some fucking weird shit with it. Actually, on that note, it's like 10.30. It's a work night. I think this conversation's wonderful. I would love to probably, we could still talk a little bit. But if we're going to do that, it's probably a good time to wrap up uh, the show part of it. I definitely want to talk to you again in the future. This is fucking great. I love your energy. But, um, Thanks, man. I really enjoyed this. I know we've just been shooting the shit for a while. And I'm totally fine with that. That's This has been wonderful. It's, this uh, was fun, man. This is this is the good ones me. last past three hours. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. <laughs> um, with that, thank y'all who are still with us watching. Thank you to Tizzy, Bonnie, everybody else. Shout out Cyberstorm 2000 and Rachel for following in them. Uh, thanks everybody in the future watching this on the whatever whatevers. Catch all the links to the Sir, uh, sorry, the Ronald James fucking universe down below. I'm gonna say Sir Tizzy because his name's over there. So y'all in the future can catch that. Be fucking wonderful. Uh, make sure you show love. The dude's mad interesting as you've seen, especially if you watch this fucking far. So shout out to you, person who got that far into a video on demand in this <laughs> day and age. Holy shit. Um. Anyway, yo, before we go, my girlfriend wants to know what your favorite book is. Uh, this is, um, lately, this is so stupid. Ready Player One was probably the, like, the, that and the Never Ending Story. Never Ending Story is, like, my favorite fucking book. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and then everyone poops. Everybody poops. It's a banger. It's a, have, the art in that book? It's a banger. I don't know about the art, but I just mean the concept, the, the brevity of the writing. It's like a really poetic masterpiece if you think Yo. about it at a literary level. And nobody expected that answer, but it's still facts. Yo, Everybody Poops is the book. It is definitely dope. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad we answered that. I appreciate y'all for real for being here. Special thanks to the patrons, Ismail. Get out to Chris Powell, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black, Eric, and Linda Lynn. Scribble, do support we do. Patreon.com slash behind that suit, etc. On that note, we're going to start the raid to this awesome existence 130 person. And uh, live long and prosper, everyone. Mm -hmm.